When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello folks, how are we doing? It's Sunday night, Red Fellas, and yes, yet again, it's another therapy session. Um, <laughs> I'm delighted to be joined by um, Steve, Cav, and Keith. <sighs> I was trying to be optimistic there going in, you know, start it like, yes, here we go, but let's be honest, it is another therapy session, but at least I've got you guys to, to, to discuss it, and we can go through all the details today. Liverpool did lose uh, 2-1 to Brighton, um, bit of a I mean, there's been some terrible results this season, but I'm sure that'll fall in that category, and we'll, we'll break it uh, break it down. But firstly, before I go into anything, how are we doing, guys? Barring the result, everything okay? Yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. weighted by that, isn't it? You know, everything can be great, <laughs> and then Liverpool can go and do that, and then everything's shit for a bit, isn't it? So it's kind of how it is at the minute. Yeah, all good, Cav. Yeah, I suppose the only good thing is it was uh, on the Sunday. So the weekend was almost over anyway. You know, if it was a Saturday morning, we'd have to uh, to have it on our minds before working week. So I suppose that's a positive. Listen, mate, it's a good way to look at it. I don't know about you guys. I've seen a, a few people tweet this recently, and um, you do you do kind of get numb to defeats this season. I've got to be honest. I'm definitely. I think Keith, did you say that last week? The numbness. Yeah, yeah I'm feeling like it's that. <laughs> I long for the days where we were saying like we had lost one game in like six months yeah. and uh, the, the 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 heavy heights of uh, hardly ever seeing defeat. I'd take some of those draws back because I used to complain about draws. Yeah. draws I'd, lo- I'd love a draw right now, mate. I'd love <laughs> oh, a draw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can yeah. someone tell me what a draw is? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know when it was against Man City and it was like, you know, I did say, I always say draws are like losses when you're in that that race. But, you know, right now, bite your mm. hand off for a draw. We'd love a draw. Give me a nil-nil. Three nil-nil. Three clean sheets. Be brilliant. But, um, draws are like losses and the football gods went, no, 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 we'll show you what losses feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but, yeah, just before we get into it, um, just to talk about our, our wonderful sponsors, um, I'm just sharing the screen now, so you guys can see that, okay, it came up on the screen, got futcar.com, and all your, obviously, we've spoken about them before, oh, if you want any of your cards, you know, your banners, flags, just to go and check them out, you'll get a 15% discount, um, you can see it on the, at the bottom of the screen there, um, if you put the, those details in, got your great stuff there, all your, you can select your design, customise it, it's absolutely outstanding. Um, I don't know if any Liverpool players could get a card at the moment, but, you know, that's not the best example. But as I say, you've got some great cards. You've also got the ones up there. It's the, the moments, and I know a popular one was the Aguero one, um, the last minute. Yeah, Brighton fans can remember getting Matoma's one today. I'm sure that's a big moment because I know they've never won a, a major trophy and obviously got through to the next round of the cup. But as you say, you've got all your details there. Um, and if you need any help as well, you can just chat online. If you just go down and click... Um, chat with us um, and that's all the details there and they can help you out any, any if you're like me and you're, you're not sure exactly how to do it just go and chat with them um, online so that's futcard.com as always been a brilliant sponsor um, so just just check them out um, any examples you guys would give um, to use futcard this season in the Liverpool moments I don't know if I can think any off the top of my head only only the keeper mate yeah, no, that, that's a that's a fair point, Steve. Do you know what? Even again today, he actually makes a great save. It will never get spoke about, but it's a brilliant save to stop Solly March. But yeah, yeah, no, very, very good point. So he's, he's he's going down the De Gea route a little bit at the moment, though. Remember, De Gea used to get praised by United. Didn't he win like Player of the Year four times in a row? It's scary when your goalkeeper is your best player. Yeah, absolutely. And Keith, just on that, as I said, last thing on futcard.com, just check it out at the bottom there and use Red Fellas for 50% discount. So go on, check it out. And um, yeah, some great designs, as we said. Just on that, Keith, you said that someone mentioned that the other day and it was about when Mourinho was at Man United. I know I'm not going to go off, just a quick one on this. And they said, actually, Mourinho done an okay job, but the hair's form in those those seasons was one of the main reasons they finished second because I think they did give a lot of chances away. And to be fair today, shot stop in that season, he was just like out of this world. Some of the I think was it the the Leon Osman against Everton when he tips over the bar. That, that was it might have been Osman. That was ridiculous. But yeah, um, yeah, De Gea, you're, that's, right, you're right. He was pulling out seven, eight saves a game. Unbelievable. That should have been goals. He was incredible at that point. It makes you think where we would be in this league without Ali. I know today's an FA Cup game, but it does make you think where we would be with that in this season. No, honestly, it's, it's a very true. I'm just checking. I've not missed any super chats there. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, though, Keith, we'll get into it now, but it's like, the fact is, Alisson, he's made a few errors. Every keeper makes mistakes, but he's actually at such a good standard at the moment. He's probably still arguably the best keeper in the world. I'd say he is. I mean, even at the world, his World Cup exploit, some of the saves he made was outstanding. And it's like, I said that last season, the amount of chances and saves he has to make is just, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. But let's get into the game, um, guys. And Cav, I'll start with you. Um, 
obviously we get ready. Half one kickoff today. We don't love the early kickoffs. We've seen that last weekend with the Chelsea game. Half one kickoff. Looking forward to the game. You know, FA Cup. I think the FA Cup's had a bit of a bit of kind of been re- rejuvenated a little bit recently. I think we've seen Wrexham today. I've, I've been enjoying quite a lot of the ties, to be honest. I, I have to admit. I think because it's on ITV and BBC every game, it makes it better as well. Um, not on any of the other channels. So when the lineups come out, Cav, what's what's your thoughts? Um, same front three as we picked for Chelsea, which I know we discussed previously. What, what what's your first thoughts when the lineups come out? Um, well, I think I think a lot of the lineup was kind of expected, to be honest. I think we're in a position now in the season whereby if we can play, you know, the same players to try and help and build some chemistry and um, partnerships, we should probably look to do that because the team's been chopped and changed so much uh, with injuries and, and all other reasons. So it was understandable that, you know, the back four would sort of uh, be what it was and try and build on that um Positive, not you know, a positive defensive display in the past couple of games, I would say. Um, not surprised, but I thought maybe Kelleher would have got a game. Um, I know his future is probably a bit questionable come the summer, um, but he's usually been given the um, cup competitions, and I think it's a bit, I think it's a bit harsh considering how good he is and how you know he's he's performed well for us to not be given another rollout and just say here. Here's you. Here's you. One of you know the few opportunities you get in the season to go and perform and show what you can do. The benefit for Rud was this would be if he performed well, it raises his stock again, doesn't it? So that was a bit of a unusual call. Can I just, um, just ask on that, Cav? As well. Sorry, sorry, to interrupt. I was thinking about this today actually because it's a really good point. See, see, Kelleher playing in the the replay against Wolves. I, I I never got to see the preview. Was that injury related or was that just to give him a game? He was never going to be the FA Cup goalkeeper this season. Klopp said right from the way it go, it would be Allison, but then he picked up a, a knock in the league it game was. prior to the, the FA Cup fixture. So it was just pulling him out and resting. That was it. Sorry, I couldn't I couldn't actually remember that because I was thinking to myself, if, if the Klopp suddenly have a change in thinking and we put Kelleher in, but as you said, <clears throat> he's obviously stuck to that calf. Sorry, on you go, mate. Mm. I just wanted to check that. Yeah, Um I still think it's strange not giving him the cups, though, to be honest. I don't see why we don't give him the FA Cup. Um, it doesn't make much sense. But look, that's a decision he made a while back and he stuck to it. So fair enough. Um, the midfield is, is you know, the midfield that's played of late and looks to have um, helped the team out, you know, be a bit more compact, look to have a little bit more control in the game. So I'm cool with that, you know. And I suppose the standout one for me and probably for a lot of people was to see Elliot on that left wing again. And it was a little bit like, oh boy, here we go again. Seeing this before. I've seen this script before. I kind of know what's coming. Um, and we'll come on to the game. I, I think it was an improved performance by the, the team. We'll go into it. But by Elliot in that position, I don't think he was as bad as last time out. But again... All the things we discussed previously when we seen that front three there, Gakpo playing centre-forward, Salah retaining a spot, unjustified, in my opinion, and then seeing Elliot out of position again, it's the same questions we asked ourselves when we seen that front three again the first time round. Um, but overall, I, di- I didn't know what to expect. I'm going to be completely honest, because you expect it. I look at the lineup and I'm like, it's... It's a team that we always expect to go out and win, as we always do with the Liverpool side. We know that Brighton are good. We've got recent experience of Brighton beating us. 
and we can see the deficiencies in the team, we can also see where we could possibly win the game. I'm just trying to look go into games now with like real positive mindset. I, I get that, Calf. I think that's yeah. not. It's not. Listen, it's we'll get into the the, the actual what happened as well, but mm. I still think you know we're going to get into it. But I, I still feel that I still I still want to watch Liverpool. Like that's I think because exactly. we've yeah. all been yeah. through. I see the trenches. I think like you know. What I mean, you've had times. You've had different owners, different managers. When it's been like you know getting beat by Wolves one nil, I think it was a um, I can't remember that player. It was under Hodgson, and then the six one at Britannia. You know, so we've had games. I've never not wanted to watch Liverpool. So I still think you, you go into that. You know, mm. it's not even though it might be like watching paint dry and some of those experiences I've had. You still want to do it. But but Keith and Steve, do you agree with that? With the thoughts on the lineup? Because um, I know we'd, we mentioned it last week. Did you would you have anything different to add to that? With the lineups, if there's anything you're a bit more happy with it with Elliot on the left or the same as Calf? Oh, I hate it. Oh my god, you know, bring back the days where the front three was just the same week in, week out, and we'd argue that Klopp doesn't rotate enough. Bring me back those <laughs> days. I, I prefer those debates to the one where I'm seeing a front three that created zero chances against Chelsea, trying to go out against an informed Brighton team who, whether we like it or not, we have to respect, you know, they're not the team that we wanted. In this situation, you know, we are in the trenches more than ever. The last thing you need is an informed team um, on the levels of Brighton to put a front three like that up against. So, you know, you look at the the midfield and you think, okay, you know, at least Klopp is is trying to trying out something else. You know, a lot of people have asked for him to be ruthless, have asked for him to be um uh, uh, to take chances. And I don't think you take much many more chances than playing. An 18-year-old kid uh, uh, in DM who I think, for what is worth, has been been flying. The the back two, you know, Konate and Gomez as, as as the back two again. You want that consistency and continuity, but the more I see it, the more I just think that you know, Joe Gomez maybe not as much up to the task to play in this type of Liverpool team. And I think it's just a matter of when, not if, um, his his place is secure for much longer. So, a lot of players at the moment at the club who just don't feel like they you know they they deserve to 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 play in this team so you know at least the the only thing i can give klopp is at least he's giving those others a chance to try something different but overall i was a bit underwhelmed when i saw that first 11 yeah it's, <clears throat> i think do you know what i'm going to get into the game but i do think um I completely agree. I think that's a very good point about Pachetic. I always get that. I'm worried that I'm going to pronounce that wrong but I feel like you know fair fair play to him in the sense of thrown in at the deep end to a certain extent. Obviously, players want to play, young players want to get the chance. But I don't think he's done himself any harm in his performances because I know we're going to get into it. I feel like he has actually... I think someone... I saw a tweet earlier. It was, um, you've got a, an inexperienced 18-year-old, you know, outperforming a very experienced DM in Fabinho uh, from not just today's evidence, but the last few games. So I think that says a lot about his mentality, which is a good thing. But... Yeah, I agree. Steve, anything to add in the lineups from your point of view? No, I, I kind of echo what the boys said. I think this, um, I don't think any of us would quite believe it when the lineup came and we thought it's the same as it was before. And it looks like Elliot's going to line up on the left when he's got a left sided player playing through the centre who's got no. He played very well, Gakpo, to be fair. He looked after the ball really well. I do like that about him, but he has no willingness to run in behind at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think. It's tailor made for 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 um for Nunes to come in and do that job. It's too easy for centre backs to play against Gakpo. 
If he's got his back to goal, 35 yards out, shielding the ball and giving it back to a centre midfielder, you'll tell your team to let him do that all day long. You can't hurt someone from the halfway line. That's what we're seeing. So it's frustrating for me that there are some strange signs around what's going on with team selection at the moment and the ideology around the tactics. I said before we came online, that worries me because every manager that's lost the plot and ended up sort of wandering down a strange path and ultimately mm-hmm. into oblivion makes really, really strange. Rafa Benitez was playing the most bizarre <laughs> formations and tactics towards the end. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's towards the end for Klopp, but we can't say let's get back to basics and then go and do something so left field it's, it's beyond belief. Forgive the pun for the left field bit, but it's top. Yeah, no, 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 I got you. That one, that one missed me. I'm pleased you went back, actually. Yeah. That's where we are right now, Cav. That's where we are. The humor not is fast, not funny. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of a situation where it, it's it's a bit random. It is a bit random. And it, we all sit here puzzled, looking at the t- screen, going, what, what the hell is that? And, and Harvey Elliott played well, to be fair. You know, individual performances, he played, he did what he could in that position. It's it's just, we have round pegs for round holes for a reason, don't we, to be cliched, and, and the square ones don't sit so well in there. And I'm, I'm looking at it thinking you've got a left you've got a left midfielder, a left winger, you've got a right winger, you've got centre forward. Go and play those three and, and try and create something because Lewis Dunk had a, twice now has had an absolute stroll against our centre forwards. Yeah, no, absolutely, Steve. And I think as well, right, so say even if you don't want to start Nunes, I think we'd all agree, like, the one person in that team who's played up front and has had, you know, successful games is Salah. So why don't you start with that, put Harvey in his, the position where he's actually played quite well recently, got man of the match. We said this last week. And put give, you know, Gakbo, to be fair, like, it's like we're buying him. We've done the review, Cav, you've done it on, um, we went through it in that show where Gakbo's played People say he played down the middle. He's actually very rarely played down the middle in the last I think, year. He mainly plays on left wing, mostly 90% of the time. I mean, as, as Steve said, he does actually do okay. He does quite well, but play him in that position. It, yeah, it's, um, mm. it's, it's, it's really, really, really um, baffling at times. I've got to be honest, I thought there was a bit of error. <laughs> with the uh, you know when they tweet at the teams, I thought maybe just got the front three wrong, but obviously not. So yeah, it's um, I, as you say, as you say, sometimes you're just not sure what's actually the the logic behind certain things. But as as we discussed last week, but the game starts and and we the first chance from us we do create a chance, um, and I'll come back to you, Cav. Is Salas, um, and just speaking about Lewis Dunk there, Salah gets the ball. I think he takes it wide and there's a space. He does actually well right foot shot, but Lewis Dunk actually does really well to clear it off the line. How, how did you feel we started the game then? Were you feeling more confident, Cav? I, I know you say confident going into the game, but do you feel like we are actually started quite well here? Well, I was looking for... When we started that game, I was looking to see how often we got on the ball and how much control we could have with the ball in possession. And then out of possession, I was thinking, what's our shape, right? Are we going to do this, you know, high press again? Are we going to have a high line? Are we going to be close enough to put in challenges, which is something Klopp's um, spoke about when he was reviewed the Brighton game from from previous. Um, what is our approach to the game? And what do we have a foothold in it? Because let's be honest, this Brighton team, can, as they've shown us in the 3-0 um, drubbing, is that um, they can take us out of the game they can just play us as if we're not there 
And I was looking to see if we were even in the fight. And I felt like we were. If you was to compare that 3-0 loss to today's performance overall, and then in specifically the start, I felt like we were. You know, we didn't... I don't feel like we controlled the game. I don't feel like we were the team on the front foot and, and taking it to Brighton. But I felt like we had a foothold in the game at least. So there was like signs of an improvement there, I felt. Um, maybe that was just solely down to the midfield change, to be honest with you. Uh, and the guys having legs and being able to cover the pitch a bit better. Um, but you could see from the off that the threats were, that were there in that first game were still there in this game. And most specifically, the wide men in Mitoma and Solly March. They were just picking up the ball and they were just making things happen. Mitoma especially. And I'm sure we could do a whole show on him if we wanted to. But he just was coasting by um, Trent and coasting by you know defenders and getting into areas that were really dangerous. And I just thought, that I have this feeling in the game like we're more in it and that we have a little bit of a foothold whilst seeing the chances go against us. So I was a bit disillusioned with what was going on. Um, but I say, I was trying to look for positives and I kind of thought, okay, this is a game where I think we might have something in it. I felt like the start wasn't perfect. It wasn't by any means amazing, but I didn't think it was particularly bad. I thought it was ordinary. We looked, we looked to threatening, didn't we? we looked, there was chances yeah. there. I think the first game against Brighton... I think Barron, I don't think he even created a chance really in that game. So I, I get what you're saying completely. And um, because just on that, it's I think I was feeling the same way, Cav. And then Matoma has that chance. I think it's the one that gets cleared off the line by Trent. I want to say it's Matoma who hits the shot. Maybe wrong, but it's a uh, Solly March crosses the ball in. And then Trent does really well to clear it off the line. So I get you, mate. It's like you're watching the game thinking, oh, we're looking a bit better here. Then bang, literally a great clearance off the line to, to take you yeah. back to reality. Um, yeah, anything else you wanted to add to that one, Kev? No, nah, I let the guys go. Let's not dwell on. Let's not well, dwell yeah. on the negativity. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so, so with that, Keith, I was going to come to you next. See, with regard to you said a bit of an up and down start, good moments, bad moments. We do, we do break the deadlock, and it comes through. You know, a player who's had a bit of quite a lot of criticism recently, but um, Salah does actually get the ball on the right. Plays, I, I think I actually would see a very good, well-timed pass through to Harvey. And it's a really good finish with his right foot, with Harvey making that move into the kind of centrally. Um, a great run and a great finish. And, and and we get the lead. So, how are you feeling yeah. at that time, mate? Well, to be honest, I thought we, we, we the, the move that we made between the front three, you know, that was probably the third time we had made quite a similar move. But I want to go back onto, a bit onto Cal's point in terms of, like, did we look like we were in control with the ball? And to my, my knowledge, I still think we're really, you know, terrible with the ball at the moment. You know, Conroy, I remember you went on a bit of a rant that's got me thinking a lot lately in terms of like, you know, what is our patterns of play with the ball at our feet? And I'm still struggling to understand what that is, because any time that we had the ball, we just look nervous. You, we, we, players look, you know, look like they didn't really want to, to have the ball unless it was further up in the pitch. There was quite a big gap between Canate, Gomez, Bacic, Cater, and, and and Thiago at times. You know, there was no one that was really looking to take control and make things happen with the football at their feet. And when they did have the ball, that's when we were at our most... It, it was like, it wasn't not so, such a case of Brighton carving us open, but it was more of a case of us giving the ball to Brighton on the turnover and then get hit on the counter-attack and Matoma and Solly March creating loads of dangerous situations. So... The warning signs were there. Where I'm really disappointed, you know, we'll talk. I talk about the goal to set. Where I'm disappointed the most, Salah. I think 
that chance that he has when he goes through on goal, you know, I don't like to like um, uh, put fingers to, to certain situations, but Liverpool Football Club have effectively chosen you to be the main man in the, in the, in the squad, right? You are the main man. You're, you're considered to be one of the most prolific forwards in world football. A, sh- a chance like that, you have to at least be hitting the target. You were through on goal, one-on-one with the goalkeeper. You slot that in, Harvey slots his in, all of a sudden it's 2-0. That's the type of situations that we need Mo Salah to be defining again because we're not getting a lot of chances from our build-up play. Now you look at the... the but out, out of possession, I thought we were really, really uh, uh, good at times. I thought our pressing traps were really good. I thought our chances would come from pressing traps and ultimately it did from the play between between Salah mm-hmm. and Elliot. It was a great run by Elliot, great finish um, as well. But ironically, Elliot's the, probably the few times I was he was the only guy making that run through the centre. So it makes me think, well... Why didn't you play Harvey through the centre from the start and play Gakpo from the wire? Harvey seemed a lot more involved with the ball, a lot more progressive with the ball and arguably our best best forward at the time. So, you know, give him the responsibility of a free role. Try something different because Gakpo through the middle was not, it wasn't working insofar as, you know, his hold-up play wasn't bringing uh, a salary and a money into, you know, inverted runs to, to make things happen. You know, people weren't moving like that. So, you know, it, it was it was at times it was encouraging to see that at least we looked sharper than we did against Brighton and we picked our presses better. But it's really concerning with us on the ball. And you think to yourself, seven days, two games in what, uh, uh, 10, 11 days? I mean, what are we doing on the training pitch at this moment in time with, with the ball? Because we don't look comfortable with it at all at our feet. But I complain as I praise because ultimately, yeah, we did go 1-0 up and... I was quite happy with it, but I was also nervous because there were signs that this was a, a, a false storm. Well, I think that's absolutely key. I think um, I always felt the same when he actually scores the finish and it kind of you know, just rolls over the line. Um, I know there was a bit of contention, it always the handball, so there's a bit of delay in the confirmation of the goal. But to be perfectly honest, more on an individual point of view, I'm quite happy for Harvey because I think that Wolves game away, the goal he scores in that game, I think he plays very well in that game. I feel like playing out of position, he's already been went into that match slightly. What's the word? He's got. It's already going against him because no one's expecting him to do anything in that position like the Chelsea game. And obviously scores, and I think he looks quite effective. He's the one who plays the ball through for Salah, isn't he, Keith? It's him who plays the, the Salah misses. So he was he was having an impact on the game. Um, but Steve, I was going to say, with regard to that, um, maybe let's just stay on on the idea of, of, as Keith's point about, on the ball. Do, do you agree with that at the moment? You just feel that we're just, we, you're not seeing any, what we're doing in training. You're not seeing the idea, the philosophy that we're doing in training on the park at the moment. No, I, I think first and foremost, given recent weeks, the plan is to be com- combative in the centre of the park, not give everything away too easily. So what you're seeing at the moment, and I thought certainly for the first half, we competed for things quite well. We were physical. There was an, there was an element of physicality and a little bit more pace about our midfield. It wasn't so pedestrian. It wasn't so easy to isolate them in one-on-ones and beat them the way that other teams have in recent weeks. There's still not the quality there that we, we come to expect. We're still thinking about bypassing that midfield, but we're bypassing the midfield into a man 35 yards away and he's back to goal. And they're coming into Gakpo's feet from 40, 50 yards away from the full-backs and the centre-backs. And we're not really able to get anything going. If he could set the ball back into the centre midfielder and Salah started a run, 
we might have a third man running situation, but that's not happening at the moment. So I think the biggest issue in recent weeks has been an inability to compete in the centre of the park. That's changed very slightly with the three lads that have been playing in the, in the last three games. And they've warranted and deserved to play in those positions. Um, what is a concern is we've got a player that we're all so frustrated with in, throughout his tenure at the football club who will leave on a free in the summer. And he arguably is in the, in the strongest midfield we've got right now in terms of press, physicality, covering ground, recovery runs, tracking runners. You know, Naby Keita will leave. Um, and in an ideal world, Naby Keita would, would sit on the bench and come on when we need, because there's, there's no succession planning. There's yeah. no idea what we're going to do going forward, playing a guy that arguably is going to leave. The worrying thing is, it's not a worrying thing, but the one thing that sits in the back of your mind is, if he keeps playing games, are we going to see a late contract extension for Naby Keita? Because for some reason, we like what he does. Potentially. Listen, I think that's a very good point, Steve. I think because there's so much happening, you're not really... There's a lot of talking points, but I think that's absolutely true because right now, as, as Cav mentioned earlier, following on, I can't remember the first game, was it the Wolves game? But that definitely looks more combative, more pressing at times or competing at times. Maybe let's not stick on pressing all the times, but definitely being in a match for 50-50s, you know, trying to get on top in the midfield, not being overran so easily. I think we definitely looked more compact as well. I found that, however, don't get me wrong, Cav was right, we conceded chances, but I didn't think it was as easy to overrun us and get around us like we'd seen the previously. The bar is but low, isn't it? The bar is low. The bar is low, yeah. Cav. This is the thing, you're comparing what you're seeing, but really, if you're, if you're doing that in the summer, you're like, how have we got, how is this bar at this level now, you know? Mm -hmm. But, but so we do get the goal, you know, and it's, 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 it's one nil. doesn't matter how you get it, we're there, we're in a good position. And, you know, I feel like at that moment, I wanted to say this to you guys, though, I feel like because the way Brighton play, how they do put so many players forward, this could be a great opportunity to get a few goals on the break or, you know, get a cushion on the break if we just keep it tight and continue to be compact. But then as we know, I'm not going to, I know Keith, I saw tweeted this, just need to catch a break. And I don't always say that in football. I really don't. I'm not one to say that. But I do think this goal, and I'll let Cav, I'll let you take this goal. There, there is obviously a lot of element to luck. Um, the one thing I would say, and obviously Grizz, Grizz can, uh, Grizz, he's in the chat now, so smash a like for Grizz. He's he's on his holidays today. You know, he's well-deserved break. But Grizz has mentioned, has said to Gomez a few times for giving needless free kicks away in dangerous positions. Well, I'm not pulling him up because I think he played very well, but it comes from Kinati giving a needless corner away when he can head out for a throw. So that is mm. an error from him, which leads to a corner. Now, I wouldn't usually say that, but it technically was. I don't know if we're touching that too much because I think Kinati's been brilliant. Ball gets headed out, and then I'll let you take it away, Cav. Yeah, it's... Um, look, I, I get what you're saying with Kinati giving away the initial corner. And it's just one of those things that I look at. You can't lay blame... <laughs> to him and that decision um, to the goal. But it's almost one of those where you say, when you're this bad and performances are this bad and there's no rhythm, there's no form, just little moments in the game, just get the little things right, the simple things right, as in, like, make sure you win your challenge and then just give a simple pass. Or if there's a header coming into you and you've got time, just make sure you really concentrate on it. Just make sure that you just, if you have to, it's a decision between pulling it out for a corner or trying to head it back out for a throw-in or something. Do that. If the you know if he felt like he couldn't head it far enough away, fair enough. But he had so much time 
it seemed that I think um, you just want these guys to just make the little decisions correctly. And then, you know, you can build from that. But look, it's a mistake and he gives away the corner and, you know, Brighton do have some tall guys in their team. So you're a little bit concerned. And obviously Liverpool have not been awful from set pieces, but of the of late, the past sort of few games since we've come back off the World Cup, we've been a little bit more vulnerable than we once were. Um, even this season, you know, first half of this season, we've, we were better so um yeah the corner comes in it, it drops it it's headed away and um it drops to Lamptey on the edge of the box and in fairness to cater is the closest man i think in, and he is sprinting to get out and close it down and um Lamptey just hits it and sort of scuffs it really it's sort of curling if you watch the angle from behind the player it's curling away from the goal and it just hits duncan wrong foots allison and i must admit i've seen the goal and i always look at the goals and think what could we have done better? What could we have done better? But I think it's just one of them. And it's just come at the worst time because we just cannot catch a break, as you say, and we just cannot get any luck. And um, it's just it's just something that you just have to brush yourself down and, and go again. You know, it happens. This is football. And there's no such thing as a perfect goal. A goal's a goal, isn't it? It doesn't matter how they go in. So it was just really unfortunate and i say i look around and look for somebody to blame and um and it's it's very harsh to blame anybody in that situation from a local point of view i think yeah i i would i would agree i think in those times it's just having watching it a few times alan mccoy's is trying to sit the first view and saying he meant it it's literally <laughs> no, never meant it. and, and caught allison out it's not much anyone can do to be honest but as i say when it's not going your way these things can happen um mm. And it has happened. I think that's the one I will say is is just yeah. unlucky. And, um, and on the flip side, sorry, Conroy. No, okay, Brighton are playing very well, and when it and you are playing well, you create your own look. So from their point of view, they'll feel like we earned that because they play well and they're a great team, and we've whacked lyrical about them over the few weeks. So you know they will look at it and go, okay, it's not a spectacular goal, but we feel like we earned that kind of goal. And we've we've been there before. We've you know in all the you know going through all the cups and. Premier Leagues that we've been going for. There's been games where we've had a huge slice of luck, but you felt like you earned it because you were the better team and this and that. So it depends what side of the, the coin of uh, luck you're on, I suppose, isn't it? Uh, no, listen, Carl, I think you're absolutely right. I think I've got a start here. Brighton have scored quite eight, eight times against us this season. Is that yeah, right? Yes, most three of matches. Yeah. yeah, and if, if, it's not the first time. I think it was a free free last season at Anfield as well. So, see, when you've, you've, you've battered a team's defence that many times, you can afford to get one of them be slightly lucky because you've obviously... They could have they probably could have scored six against us last time we played them. So, you got you got exactly. to take the good with the bad. But just on this, uh, guys, you've got a, a super chat now. Uh, just going through them before here. Um, we've got super chat from Shane. And just as a little segue before we get into um, after the half-time action of today's game... Um, Shane, thanks for Super Chat, says, starting to think FSG agreed with Klopp to fund Jude Fee, but at the price of not buying anyone else. If true, seems so stupid from Klopp and co. Now, I want to actually get Steve's point on this. Now, Steve, it's an interesting Super Chat, I've got to be honest, I've never really thought about this point of view towards that situation. Uh, firstly, do you think you know there's, there's any truth in that, um, and what's your thoughts towards it? I think it's a difficult one. I was thinking before because I thought this might come up along these lines, not perhaps in a super chat, but the, but the question anyway. Is is the fact that we're not buying anybody sort of telling us everything without telling us anything in in regard that lines, yeah. 
the only way you would say you're not spending any money is if you didn't care enough about it because whatever we finish at the end of the season is immaterial because you won't be custodians of the football club by the end of the season. So uh, I can't help thinking, and I'm, I'm kind of hopeful because this, this situation needs to come to an end now, that the fact that they won't spend in January suggests that they're further down the line in terms of potential bidders or buyers. And I'm being a bit hopeful in that regard, as I said before, because we need this to draw a line under it. We need to plan properly and build for the future. It makes no sense if you think you're going to be in charge of the football club next year to sacrifice potential revenue in the form of decent European competition by not signing anybody, knowing full well three of your midfielders are likely to leave in the summer. The, 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 the logic behind it makes no sense at all. Um, so, I don't know. It's I don't know whether they agreed. I think Klopp's a really, really philosophical guy and works with what he's given. He's not doesn't strike me as a guy that goes banging on doors, upsetting people. I think he works with what he's got. He's always worked with a small squad, no matter what club he's been at. I just I just think there might be something behind this in terms of FSG's positioning with the sale of the club. If they don't spend £200 million now, for instance, they don't get that back as part of the deal, which would be the ultimate greed. They're going to get somewhere between three and a half and £4 billion for something they paid £300 million quid for. So I, I kind of hope... You know, probably talking myself round into thinking this way, that there's a little bit of a message in there somewhere for, for all of us in terms of hope about the change of ownership of the football club. No, I think it's um, it's a very interesting one to think about it like that. And um, well, obviously, time will tell, especially if that has been the case. That's the one thing you can guarantee. But I, the one thing I would add, though, is... If you look at our midfield, you don't, don't even have to look right now. You could tell that the way we want to play, the philosophy we have, intensity, you know, whatever thing you want to do, you need more. Jude Bellingham's not just going to fix that. You know what I mean? It's, um, you're going to need other midfielders as well. I know we're not going to get, you know, massive into that today, but I would add that, you know, it's, uh, it's not like it's just going to be a plaster or a bandage over a, quite a big, you know, that, that meme when it's like the glass water tank and it's just putting the plaster <laughs> over it. Don't get me wrong, Jude Bellingham is going to be outstanding plaster. You know, band is an unbelievable player, but mm-hmm. one player isn't going to fix it. That's all I'd add to that. Um, so obviously, guys, we get to half time, and I was watching the highlights earlier and going through the game. Now, as we go to half time, I I can't actually remember too many chances early in the second half from us, unless you guys can remember off the top of your head. I can't really remember. I think the next note I've got, to be perfectly honest, in the 60th minute. Um, when I know the chat already spoke about this a lot, was when the subs happened. Now, Keith, um, the, the eternal optimist, I'm going to come to you, mate, because I always I appreciate your opinion, as all, I do with all of you on everything, but this especially. So the 60, 59th, 60th minute, changes are made by Klopp. Um, I'll just, the floor is yours, mate. What, what's, uh, what was your opinion on that, and was it the right move? It depends how you look at it because I felt like when the changes were initially made, um, the team did look a little bit more, um, you know, it was a game of cat and mouse. It became a game of cat and mouse, right? Brighton had the ball very deep. They were sticking to their philosophy. We were pressing quite aggressively. We were sticking to our philosophy. And it was a case of who would break first. So the likes of having Darwin Nunes' legs um, uh, in there, I think Jordan Henderson comes on as well. 
Um, and then Fabinho, comes, is it two changes he makes initially? Is it two, I believe? Oh, and James Milner comes on for Trent as well. Um, mm-hmm. Which, which again, I, I, um, that, that substitution didn't surprise me in the slightest because Trent, I just felt like either Trent just did, like he allowed Mitomo to cut inside so many times, almost expecting somebody else to cover him. And while Naby Keita, I thought, was good in flashes today, I didn't think him or Mo Salah covered him at all. It was most of the time 1v1. So I, at one stage, I was thinking, okay, that's why you got taken off. But another stage, I'm thinking, well, can't Klopp protect him more? Because ultimately, we're still talking about one of our most creative players. Surely you can keep him on the pitch, but offer him better protection, um, uh, you know, by either doubling up on Matoma or, you know, changing Keita for something. You could have put Milner. You could have put Milner on for... Yeah, and centrally to cover him. Yeah, the other area which didn't make any sense to me was was the Harvey Elliott for Darwin Nunes a substitution because Klopp has banged on about it for some time that Darwin Nunes struggles to play the defensive side of the left free. Right, he he's d- talked about it again in the post match conf- uh, conference about picking up space, filling in, closing the gaps, and he's and he's always alluded to the fact that Nunes struggles with doing this side of the game which is a far cry from what we had with the likes of Sadio Mane and, and, and Luis Diaz in that respect. But I actually thought Harvey Elliott in the defensive transition covered his space really, really well. And while I still felt he was awkward in that position in terms of going forward at times and almost had to pick up more central positions to have an impact, I found his substitution really strange. You know, if, if anything, it should have, you know, you, 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 you want to be able to keep you know your 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 wings as, as as protected as possible, and I felt once Nunes was on the pitch, you know they were having much more success down down that wing. So odd substitutions, but at this rate, you know, again we're talking about football players that are coming onto the pitch that you expect so much more from. And you know Jordan Henderson, I don't think he had, he had really much of an impact in the game uh, at all when he came on, um, justifying him coming on for Cato, who seems to be taken off on the 50, 55th minute all the time. So maybe that injury that he had was so bad that he can't play more than an hour. You know, but it was players that came on that didn't really, really impact the game at all. And you can clearly see the Gakpo Nunes Salah situation. He's still insisting on Gakpo playing through the centre um, and Nunes playing on the wide. So a lot of, you know, it was really strange, strange substitution. At a time of the game where I felt we were, we were, we were working well in our pressing uh, packs for the majority... Um, but yeah, uh, it just it was just a bit baffling. It worked, as I said, it worked for the first five ten minutes. I felt, I felt with, like positioning we were quite alright. But then after a while, you know, they were just after yeah, they figure it out. Back. After they figure it out. After they, yeah, you yeah. know, they manage the game themselves on the park. They realize, oh, you know, that happens maybe a lot. They need to work out where certain players are. But but the worst, thing is, the worst thing is what what really that frustrates me. It's kind of like you know, again, I felt it was like a risk versus reward match. Brighton were insistent on holding the ball. We were insistent on pressing. The difference is, is that we didn't do the ball carrying part very well in terms of patterns of play or, or try and create something when Brighton were pressing us, particularly in the midfield. And Brighton were very successful. Brighton were better at both sides of the game than, than mm. we were. Our press, at, yeah, our press at times did look good, did work well, but Brighton did both better than us, particularly towards the second half of the second half. No, I think you know, just a side note. I think Brighton looked um, obviously through what they've done. <clears throat> Tony Bloom, Potter now uh, under Deserbe, they look so confident on the ball. So you know, you might be amazing at pressing, but if a team's better at the ball and are just confident enough to play around you, then 
you know that they showed that to me they looked so com- they looked like they, they are a team who had batters three 0 They looked confident. They didn't look worried about playing out from the back. And um, it's not like we're not going to get obviously give them credit on that. But we're, we're speaking about us specifically. Um, but on that, Keith, you mentioned Henderson, and I know uh, Aaron had mentioned in the chat, LFC Aaron, just says, I've got your super chat, Aaron, just in case you, you thought I'd, I'd missed it. Um, great show, guys. Fabinho is finished. Henderson is my favourite ever LFC player, but I chase him as well. I'm not one for overreacting, but it's time. Now, I know, because we've seen Aaron, he's always in the chat, always some great points. And if Aaron's saying this as well, so, Cav. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with the statement? No, it's not necessarily do you agree, but obviously Keith had mentioned Henderson and the performance today. It's not even if I would say it was like you know shocking, but just didn't really contribute anything when he came on. You know, I, I didn't, I yeah. didn't feel that it done anything. Sorry, Keith, on you go. I've got a quick to add to overlay that question, Kev, something to consider. Obviously, the, are they finished for us or are they finished in general? Because just for my quick two pens, Jordan Henderson that played for England two months ago, and the Jordan Henderson that's playing for Liverpool. Are two different versions of the same person that's playing in the same season. So mm. that's good. That's a good. Yeah, that's good. Well, he recently he recently come out earlier in the week, I believe, and said and spoke on this, and he said he didn't quite realize um, how much the World Cup took out of him. And we all know, like Jordan Henderson is an intense player, and he's not technically the most you know gifted player, and we know all of this, but. For him to be at his best, he needs to be 100%. It's all about work rate and desire and effort. And that's what's made him so good. And I think he put all of that into the World Cup with England. And he's come back and he's just had this, like, this, you know, when your energy's just drained, like an energy dump. And I think he's just realised, oh, boy, I can't quite do what I thought I could. Um, and then he, and then his technical deficiencies really get exposed. So... If he's not able to run across the pitch and put challenges in and cover fullbacks and stuff, then you're really assessing what he does when he's on the ball. And let's face it, when he's on it, he's not very good. So um, I felt like I feel like the evolution for Henderson, if he's going to remain at Liverpool, which I'm sure he will um, be on the season, is just that 30-minute man. I feel like he is that guy that you do bring on for the final half an hour just to let him if he can't do 90 minutes, at least give us the same level of intensity, but for a shorter period of time. So just come on for 30 minutes and just leave it all out on the pitch. And um, he didn't really do that today. He just come on and he was just kind of there. He didn't do anything particularly bad. And he also didn't bring anything to the game either. He didn't bring energy. He didn't bring like new ideas with his passing or anything like that. So today's not a day where I think... um, you can necessarily bash him or should bash him, but um, he's he's yet to have a performance following the World Cup where you're like, okay, this is positive now. You can you can build from that. And then, like I say, without going on too much homegrown and all of this, he he's gonna be here next season. He just needs to him and the coaching team and stuff need to find what his position and what his role is gonna be. Not role as in like position on the pitch, but in terms of how much can I play in a season how much can i play in an ordinary week where we play two games and what do you want out of me do you want me to sit in a sixth position and just pass it around and talk to everybody and we drop deeper or do you want me to be intense and just come on and play fewer minutes they've got to figure that out but i think he's i don't think he's done as a footballer because if he went to another club with less demands than liverpool i think he could do a job quite quite possibly lower down the league or something so um 
and Fabinho. I know it's in the Zoom chat. I mean, we yeah, could, yeah, that's do you want me to jump ahead to Fabinho because he was? You know what? I think we can, we can all. I think you know this is such a, a a talking point. I think we'll all get a turn. So, Cav, why don't you go first in this one? Because I, I've got to be honest. Now, listen, I'm not just saying this. Obviously, Grizz isn't here today, but Grizz has kind of said this for probably the start of this decline. He, you know, he did get told he was overreacting, but I mean. It's, it's very hard to compare a decline as quick, like especially for a defensive midfielder that I've seen anyway. But maybe that's been too tunnel visioned. But all three of you guys, I want to get your your your, your feelings on this. And Cav, you can go first, mate. Is Fabinho finished? Is he? Is you think he's done for us? Do you think he can come back to any sort of form? I think I've believed in Fabinho a lot longer than the fan base in general. Like, there's still this part of me that's like, the decline can't be that quick. And I know... Like, I, see. I, I, I agree, I, it's, it's, yeah. I don't believe what I'm seeing half the time. Exactly. And I think I think a lot of guys like Grizz, and fair play to him, he called it from very early. He's seen this decline. And I must admit, i sort of seen him waning a little bit, but I... I felt like the team wasn't particularly as good. We were just being carried by momentum and being in these competitions and stuff. But what we've seen this season is, and I'm trying to think to other players where I've just seen a, a decline like this, and, and I can't. I can't really think of anybody else that's had such a decline. Um, and I am starting to come round to the idea that he he might not be done. Uh, he might be done, sorry. But the he come on today... And I felt like it was like a comedy sketch. I, I swear to God, I, I thought it was so bad. It was almost funny. <laughs> it was, like, yeah, it's so true. <laughs> and I'll give the guys a like chance. You're to in talk disbelief. You're in this. You're laughing because you're in disbelief because it's like, yeah. The way you he seen it all. He fell over in the corner. Like he was trying to do a one-two and he just completely fell over the ball. He gave, gave the ball right. away. Then his first pass, he nearly gave the ball away. Hey, come on, yeah. come on. Give the ball away twice. And then he chopped Ferguson down. And I thought, yeah. what are we watching here? What are we'll, we watching? We'll get on to the challenge after. But firstly, Steve, get your thoughts on this as well. And um, we've spoken about Henderson, but Fabinho, where are we at here, mate? Because to be honest, well, you've seen a lot of football, Steve. You've seen lots. And I think, you know, I've seen my fair share. But this is quite a... You know, I've seen players drop, like, you know, like, they're just, like, you know, a standard and maybe not quite at it. But... At times, he looks like he's not confident to play a, a six-yard pass. Like he's reading the game, just I feel like it's not there at the moment. Steve, have, have you seen anything like this? And and do you think he can get back to a level? We have seen it, and I'll just start with Henderson because I didn't get involved in that conversation. You don't get to choose at 32, 33 when your legs go. You know, Stephen Gerrard's legs went around 33. Jamie Carragher's legs very similarly. You don't get to choose as a footballer getting on, especially one who's played almost 500 games in a very intensive midfield when when things are going to stop working for you, i.e. the physicality, the legs, to be able to run. So is there a future for Henderson at the club? Yes, but it would be in the Milner role, so he'll play less and less, I would imagine. Is there a future for Fabinho at the club? Um, who's going to buy him based on what we've seen in this season? There's not going to be a queue of people at the door ready to sign him. What you might see is Cater, Ox, Milner leave the club, hopefully some additions, and then Fabinho and Henderson become more like squad players. If you had to put Fabinho on for the last 15 minutes of a, of a game, you probably could trust him. 
today today being the yeah a bad example yeah a bad example that you can't include today but it's it's really difficult we ask a lot of these players we, you know it's a very very hard job to play in Liverpool centre midfield and at some point it catches up with you admittedly Fabinho has played just shy of 200 games which isn't the same amount as Henderson but everybody's different so um there isn't a future for me in terms of a week by week midfield that includes Henderson and Fabinho. Um, of the three older players, Thiago probably would be someone that could play with two new acquisitions and would probably get a new lease of life from doing so, where he probably doesn't have to play running back towards his own goal so much. Curtis Jones will become a very, very clear squad player. And then it's what we do, if at all, in the transfer windows. But it is a concern that, that, that we've got two ageing centre midfielders, although 31 isn't ageing, but it certainly appears physically Fabinho yeah. is ageing. Um, I don't see a midfield where those two guys are involved together anymore. So, so for me, they become squad players. They both can play in six. That point you made about Henderson sitting in six and talking is a really good one. So maybe that's a little bit of the future for, for Jordan Henderson, but for me, those two guys in a midfield three it just isn't the physicality to deal with all these young boys who are pushing the ball past them and running the legs off them. It's got to change um, squad players next season at best for me, for the pair of them. Fair enough, Steve. I think that's a good point. And Keith, just finally on, we've mentioned Henderson, but the Fabinho situation, um, where are you at with it? Mate, I mean, a few folk in the chat, to be fair, have said maybe Italian teams would look at him if we did want to sell him in the summer. Maybe the pace of that league would suit as well. But um, where's where's your your thoughts towards this one, mate? What's your thoughts? Sorry, I, I think okay. this, that didn't that didn't count as a key one. Really count, really count. Um, I, I see. I, I think it, you know he could ha be potentially one of the ones to be let go. Um, you know, we gave him a new contract, I believe, two years ago. Um, and, you know, at the time when we were giving all these new contracts out, you know, we were praising the direction of the club, right? We were saying, wow, you know, we're looking after our talent. You know, we're planning for the future. You know, we're protecting ourselves from players like Fabinho going in their peak um, uh, and, and being plucked from players. The likes of Henderson as well. Trent was given a new contract. Virgil was given a new contract. Allison was given a new contract. You know, Robertson was given a new contract. A lot of players in this in this squad and in this team today were given brand new contracts for to almost take us into the next phase. And that next phase has been a failure and a, a catastrophic failure. And I think Fabinho, there needs to be a level of of, of ruthlessness with him because I do feel like his time at Liverpool is done. Not, not to suggest that as a footballer, he can't go to, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if he popped up in a Barcelona midfield and he had a um, a rebirth. You know, I, I still believe that he can play at the highest level, but I, I feel like in terms of what he can give to um, the ideas of Klopp and, and the revolution of what we're trying to achieve, you know, let's, I think he's an example of, a player that's still in contract that we can still sell, make some money from, as opposed to letting players leave for free, like we've done with the likes of Emre Chan, Naby Keita, Ginny Wijnaldum, and actually cut cut our losses. And we don't need to wait around for him. You know, I'm I'm sorry to say, I just don't feel like he is necessarily in it as 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 much. He's it's that tackle he did on on Ferguson was not only lazy, 
really lazy, but you know, it, it, that puts his whole career in jeopardy. You know, he's a very, very lucky, lucky boy. Achilles injuries are the worst injuries you can ever have as a footballer. It, period. It ruins careers. It changes who they are as players. You know, hopefully for Ferguson, it's just a knock, and he can kind of, you know, get through it. But if he's done some serious damage there for what is just a calamitous tackle and was so not needed, then, you know, it is, it, he, he's, he, he is reckless. And now he seems to be reckless towards the fact that he get, could get sent off in, in, in certain games because he right, quite rightly should have been sent off. I've toyed with the idea of him potentially kind of going down back into centre-back uh, position as well, which Klopp might look into. But I actually think that, uh, that as well, when you look at, the options at centre-back these days, that needs a little bit of an overhaul. So I don't really want to put Fabinho into that position only to have him miss tackles and players go through. I think genuinely he's not earning his money at Liverpool anymore. Um, and he, like like someone mentioned, he's on big salaries, big money, big contract, big faith was placed in Fabinho to take us to the next level. And he's failed to do that. And I again, this, you know, yeah, I'll put my opinion out here to be shot at. I still believe that the players we used to know will show up in Champions League against Real Madrid and you'll be like, well, where the hell was this kind of performance? Similar to the Napoli performance at Anfield. I know that they've got it in them when, when the moment is there, but these games where the moment maybe isn't as there, where there's not momentum, where there's not a big buzz, are just as important as the big games against the Real Madrid and stuff like that. So that suggests to me that they're checked out from the whole thing. Yeah. Well, hold that thought, Keith. We will get into that. But just staying on this topic before we move on to um, the actual challenge that you made your point on. But your what's good, as, as Grizz always says, it's not much at the moment, mate. Thanks very much for the super chat. It's no disrespect. No, we know that you're always in the chat, mate. We know that. But based on what makes you think Henderson can be used as a utility player like Milner, he says, I don't think Henderson is as versatile as Milner. So, Keith, I know you actually was the first one to say that. I think Keith and Stee. So I'll get. I just spoke, Keith. I'll give Steve the chance to reply to that. Steve, do you actually think Henderson's got the same qualities? Because I'll give Milner his due. Milner can still come on at thirty-seven, and he doesn't look like a deer in headlights. He's like he does have. He comes on. He plays a great pass to Salah straight away. So he's yeah. still got. He has got that. He's always had that versatility. Do you think Henderson could do the same thing? Cast your mind back to the Napoli game away from home, and Milner got booked inside of eight minutes. And it wasn't a great performance. And every single Liverpool fan came out and said, he's done, he's finished. It, it's about what games you play them in, what position you put them on during the game. You want to shut up shop, turn it up, put Jordan Henderson on as a six, take your young star, set it off the pitch, put a guy on there who can speak, who can organise, Forster's a place for him. He's not going to turn up at right back and left back and all that stuff. He has done a job at centre-half before for us, not that you choose to do it, but it's also, there's a little bit of Milner factor in, if you get rid of Milner and Henderson, for instance, in the summer, let's say for some mad reason that happens, you lose all your, your lieutenants on the pitch, you lose all the guys that can teach the young kids what it is to be, a, first of all, a professional footballer, second of all, a club like Liverpool. Jordan Henderson will do what James Milner does in terms of leading the way in what how you conduct yourself around the football club and how you learn. And some people will come and say, that's not enough, Lee. That's not enough. That's not why you keep a player in your football club. But it is. You can't have all these superstar young foreign players who come to the football club, all these kids coming through the ranks, without someone there to clip around the ear and say, pack that in. 
because not everything needs to go to the management team to be dealt with. You have experienced players. It's a really bad idea to, to lose all the experience from your squad in one go. So if Milner decides to move on, and we don't know what's happening with him, then Henderson could quite easily fit into a role where he gets a lot less game time. And how and when we bring him on will be managed by the position of the game. But it's what he does in and around the club. It's training, leading up to games, showing people how to conduct yourself as a professional footballer. You'd probably pay half-decent wages to have someone in your football club that can give you that because it's invaluable. Mm-hmm. No, I think, you know, Steve, I think that's um, I, that's real Ferdinand mentions that last year in a podcast. He does say having players who can deal with certain issues, like not everything goes to the manager at that level, it's got its, its, its positives as well in the team. It can be very vital. It stops it becoming. You don't hear a lot that comes from the changing room. It can't be a coincidence that you've got characters like Milner's, like Henderson, like the leadership group. But you know what? It's We'll see with that one. I think there'll be, we can have more discussions on that in the future, but we've got to crack on with other, other points today. <laughs> Regarding Fabinho, Keith, I have this next on, on the show to speak about the subs are made. Nothing really much happens. I know Allison makes a good save to deny March after Matoma crosses that ball in. Um, that's the only really chance there. Um, big chance, anyway. I know you know Brighton did create quite a few opportunities, but that one sticks in mind. Then obviously Fabinho comes on, and the challenge on um, Ferguson, as you already mentioned, Keith. For me, I watched it a few times, and um, yeah, I think you know it's it's a. What I'm thinking about, and I'll let you guys talk, and I won't don't to steal the thunder here with this one. I don't know what he's trying to do with that challenge. That's what I don't know because, like, it's nowhere near the ball. Like, it's nowhere near the ball. And I'm just, I was a bit disbelief when I watched the replay. Um, Cav, what was, um, what did you think on the challenge? For me, it's a red. I thought it was a red, and I think he thought it was a red. The only man that didn't think it was a red was the referee. And, um, yeah, it, it was a bad decision. And like Keith's alluded to, that that's a horrible um, position to plant your foot on somebody because that could ruin their season, that could play go on to next season, that could be career-ending, you know, it's terrible. And I think Fabinho, you say, why was it so late? Why was he even trying it? And, and I think Steve said this a few weeks back, the brain wants to do what the body can't. And I think that's it with Fabinho. He knows where he needs to be. He knows what challenges he needs to make. He knows he wants to be in there. He wants to be in that, you know, zone where there's multiple players and you can you can all press and he's the guy that comes out with the ball or makes the challenge just to get it out of play or take it off the opposition or something. He wants to be that guy, but his body don't allow him to. He's not quick enough to get there. And, and actually be in a position whereby he can challenge whilst the players turn in or still got their back to goal. By the time he gets there, they've already turned. They're looking at him, they see him coming, they run by him. Or he is there and his challenge is too late and they've already manipulated the ball. You know, they've shifted it onto their other foot or they've took a touch out and he's given the foul away. And he's quite simply just not quick enough. He's just not quick enough in both his mind and his body. And um, I feel for him. Because if there was ever going to be a team that exposes that as much as as it does, it it would be a Liverpool team. It would be a Liverpool midfield um, that kind of hangs you out to dry when you're not as quick as you perhaps want to be. So um, he's caught between a rock and a hard place, I think, because he has to be that player to be of any use to Liverpool. But he also can't be that player 
So I think when people think about should he move on and stuff, that's how I think of it is because what else could you get out of Fabinho? And I don't think there's much. I don't think his passing is particularly good. I couldn't see him playing a deep six role where he dictates the ball just goes through him every time. You know, he picks it up from the centre-backs and he's spraying passes left and right. It's also not how we play because the, the best passes of the ball are kind of already virgin in a, 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 a centre-back central position. Trent, Robbo, Thiago's there. So he's not that guy. He needs to be the enforcer. He needs to be the aggressor. He needs to be the guy that's making the challenges and winning the ball back. And I simply don't think he can do it. And it's going to... It's either going to affect us, as we've seen, because teams are going to carve us open, or it's going to affect the opposition because he will give away fouls and he will make them kind of challenges. You've just seen it so often with players whereby, like I say, their body just isn't in line with what their um, their mind wants them to do. And um, he should have gone, in my opinion. And um, I'd be surprised if any of us think that he um, yellow was justified for a challenge like that. Yeah, Keith Stee. Agree it was a red? Yeah. The horrible, horrible challenges, as Keith alludes to, that that's the worst injury you can do. That was the injury that made John Barnes turn from a left winger to a centre midfielder because you just don't have the same explosiveness, you don't have the same mobility. You have to play within yourself. Um, apparently, the injury's not a good one. What I saw in the chat a minute ago, someone's come back and said it's, it's not doesn't look good for him, the injury. Um, it's really poor. It's really bad. And, and it's a red card all day long. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's, it's not even a challenge to be made there. And he's endangering another man's football career. And I think that sums up where we are with him right now. It's just slow to everything. You know, that, that's a straight red. I, there's no conversation to be had there. And... It's an apology to Brighton as a football club that somebody in our team can do that to one of their players because it was an appalling challenge. And it, as I say, it sums up where Fabinho is right now: slow, off the pace, not at the races. He needs he needs a, a prolonged spell away from the, the first team. You know, we've got an 18 year old kid who's showing him how to do it. That's the only positive that comes out of what's going on at the moment. Um, and he got booked early on. But, but bottom line is, with, with, with Fabinho, he's, he's, he's done, he's spent. I don't know if he'd ever recover what he had before, ever. And, and to Keith's point, where, who'd you sell him to? He's got 190 grand a week. Who's going to give him that kind of money for what he's showing? He's showing his abject performances. A return to Brazil and play for one of the top Brazilian sides might be something that might appeal to him because any European team is going to be worried by the lack of legs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I think um, Ferguson's he's 18, 19, just 19, I think. So hopefully, I say it's bad, but hopefully it's one they can recover from. And you, you, you hate to see that, but it did look like a bad one, just like you could, as he struggled to walk off the park, as a few of the, the comments are saying as well. And I think, you know what, Cal, I think your points on head and what his body's doing, what he's trying to do, and just how long getting him his body to do that is just miles apart at the moment. And Mm-hmm. That's a very good way to look at it, to be honest. Very, very good point, Gav, <clears throat> and Steve as well. So on that, obviously, I think we're unanimous that's a red card, and I think no one in the comments is disagreeing either. Well, um, should we just got a super chat here from Cotroy, and um, I'm not sure what you think <laughs> on this, mate. I, I'll put it to you uh, from Diallo. That stunt by Fab was disgraceful and unforgivable. Did, is that how you see it? I mean, quite, quite strong words, and, and obviously we don't never want to injure a player but 
disgraceful and unforgivable. I I didn't see it being sinister. I didn't think there was malice in what he was doing. It was just that control. Is that what you would say? I I think, um, for me, you can see a person's catalogue and you can, if you've watched Fabinho that we like that we have as well, and a lot of people have, you know he's not that type of player. You know he, he's not, because to be perfectly honest, not to be um, horrible about it, if you're going to do a, a challenge, not to that level, but, you know, maybe get one on someone, you wouldn't do it that blatantly for starters uh, or to that level. I think to me, you actually summed up, I think perfectly, that he's just, he's not at it at the moment. And because he's just, what he thinks he's trying to do, he just can't keep up with play. And he's just been late, and it's just like because his decision making and where he is and now is not great anyway. It's all over the place. Mm. He's so late, and it just makes it look terrible. But from my point of view, I don't think it's unforgivable. I get what you're saying. I do think it's a disgraceful the way it's, it's, it's worked as well. But for me, um, I think if you look at his what he's done in the past, he's not that type of player. And I know people say that a lot, but I actually do think for Fabinho, especially for a defensive midfielder. I don't think he's got many moments where it's been like dirty challenges and his performance, more tactical fouls, which I've actually asked him to do more, more of at times. But <laughs> yeah. I get the point and I do listen, it's it's you obviously you very sympathetic because that player's injured. Um but I don't think it's unforgivable for me. Because I don't think he's he's not meant to do that. I just think he's performing mm-hmm. so poor right now that he just couldn't keep up with play. And it obviously mm-hmm. looks terrible, but I think it's more just his ability at the moment compared to any malice. Mm. I think I was speaking to a friend earlier and he, he made a great point. He said, <coughs> he said in footballers in their careers, when they're kind of coming to the end, usually is they'll have a moment that makes them realize that they're not quite where they thought they were. And that might just be Fabinho's moment where he's seen that his ability and that disconnect between his mind and his body and the fact he's not what he used to be can actually cause harm to others. And I think that might just be one of their moments in football in the game where he looks at it and because he had his hands on his head. He was he yeah. was clearly you know affected by it. I think that might he might just reflect on that moment and go, I've been trying and trying and trying and maybe I just need to accept where I am and make a decision based on that, whether that be he might want to move on in the future and go to a, a league that's a bit slower or move back to Brazil or something like that. I don't know, but I just think it, it could be something that, you know, affects him in his decision-making down the line. No, I agree. Absolutely, Cav. Um, absolutely. I think that's a very good point um, and a good way to look at it. Moving on, though, guys, obviously we have the Fabinho incident and then I know people are talking about Robertson's challenge as well a few minutes later. I want to get your guys quickly because getting to the last 90 minutes of the game, Brighton on the break, Robertson pulls down. I can't remember who he puts the challenge on. What was your opinion on that one as well? Did you feel that was a red card as well? Because that ultimately leads to the goal, which we're going to discuss, so we might as well cover this one chronologically as well. What were your thoughts on that, Keith? Did you think that was a red? Probably less of a red, but more, again, of a stupid tackle, a late tackle. (laughs) Um, a desperate tackle, but all of these situations are happening at speed, particularly over the last five minutes, because we just don't know what to do with the football. And that's the number one issue that we have right now is that, you know, we've got players, again, Champions League winning, Premier League winning, football players who play at the highest level against the best opponents in the world and just can't pass the football more than five yards before they get pressed off the ball and, and counter-attacked again. And that's what a lot of, where a lot of these challenges were coming from. They were coming from the fact that we would lose the ball 
and then we'd have to make a commitment, and that commitment by them was just slow and laborious. I thought, you know, I do feel for Robertson uh, at times. I think he's had a, a left wing partner now, you know, so many times this season that I just, you know, I think he's just thought of ideas in terms of offering much going forwards. Um, and defensively, again, you know, he can get caught out from time to time. So I don't think it was a red card necessarily. I thought it was just a, a late challenge, but a situation that eventually led to the goal. And in fact, I mean, I suppose we'll go to that goal. Um, you know, it was a lot of that type of dealing with the situations, dealing with the defensive defensive situations in, in the dying embers, the type of pressure that we can't handle at the moment. You know, we can't handle set pieces. We can't handle crosses going into the box. We used to be the masters at dealing with that, either catching people offside or dealing with um, with, with the line. I think you lose someone like Virgil van Dijk, you lose organisation, that centre-back uh, pairing completely. And actually, I also think you lose a certain level of, of of um of edge in terms of of dealing with situations better than just giving the ball back to the to the team you know two clearances that led to the both goals or ultimately clearances that should have been dealt with far better so you know it's it, it all of this accumulates in the end and then you sit there and you think to yourself well you only have yourself to blame we're inviting so many situations onto ourselves now that you know the av- law of averages will always always peter out and and those last ten, those last five ten minutes, lost us the entire game. Yeah, I guess um, I agree with that, Keith. I actually think, see, to be perfectly honest, see with that that fill at the time, I didn't actually think it was it, the challenge. Obviously, I think was was not a good challenge at all. But I didn't think it was the worst fill because I actually think if you didn't make that, I think they were overloading on the right side. But then you know it can go against you as well. Like we said that before, I felt though just before that there was quite a few instances, Keith. We are, we're giving the ball away, stupid. I've got to be honest, right? I thought Darwin Nunes three times couldn't play a simple pass back and it, it nearly caused yeah. a break. Three times, a four-yard pass. Now, I've not been, I'm not here at all, but I just I didn't think he was good today at all. Um, and those moments were very frustrating. Um, even the one when we're on the break and he passes it to Salah, but it's behind Salah instead of like playing it in front of him so he can continue the run. He didn't have a good game when he came on. But yeah, I didn't think at the time... I felt there's a few fouls we gave away in the final third because of that. As you say, that maybe being erratic, Keith, because we're just not confident we're going to defend, or maybe certain players are out of position or are not quite tight to their markers. For me, I think you, you've seen that coming. Um, absolutely. Um, so we get to they get the free kick. Steve, I'll let you have the honours of uh, describing this last minute winner from Brighton. So take t- take the floor, mate. I think I think obviously the free kicks are stupid ones to give away. I'm going to go straight for the jugular on this one. This is twice against Brighton when when a, a forward has been closing down on the ball that Joe Gomez has jumped in with his back turned. Mm. That's just absolutely unforgivable. Whilst unforgivable was in the, the, the chat before, it's a good word. That was absolutely unforgivable defending. You can't see what the guy's going to do. You make his mind up for him. You make it really, really easy. Why do we turn our... Van Dijk turns us back on Valverde in the, in the Champions League final. Why do we do this? Why have we suddenly got this idea that putting your arms behind your back and turning your back and sticking your arse out is going to is going to stop the, stop the opponent scoring? Put your arms behind your back by all means, but face the guy so you can see what he's about to do. It's a good finish. You've got to give him his credit, just as it was a good finish by Welbeck. But we telegraph what we're going to do to, in terms of defensive cover for that. 
He just jumps in, totally with his back to goal. Um, really, really poor defending. I could sit here and, and give you a, a highlight reel of mistakes by Joe Gomez this season where he's cost us goals. Um, most notably the Napoli game away when he subbed himself at half-time, quite rightly so. Very, very poor defending. Very, very schoolboy amateur defending, whatever you want to call it. You stay big, you face the ball, you shut it down, you take one in the... Well, you don't want to take one if you have to. But you never jump in like that. Have you guys watched it back? Yeah, it's yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. It's absolutely embarrassing to defend like that. We're having conversations about who should partner Virgil van Dijk, who's, who's been off colour himself. Um, can I say played okay today at times? But they're all guilty of mistakes at the moment. And that defending for that goal and the Welbeck goal, ultimately both against Brighton, both the, the games, the goals that put the game beyond us, absolutely appalling defending. You cannot do that. So it's not great. It's not great. We're not good at the moment. We're not good defending set pieces at the moment for some reason. We're, we're, if you're going to zone or mark, then you can't turn your back on the ball in your zone. And, that, and that's where we're getting punished at the moment. Yeah, no, do you know what? See the thing is, see the well bet one, Steve. You can kind you can kind of forget about that one if you know it doesn't happen again. You know, continue because it's the, it makes it three 0 But do you know what I mean? You can, you know what I'm saying? You, you, those things can yeah, happen yeah, yeah. as a one off, and you can forget about it. But it's the fact it's at the same end, so much similarity, and it's against Brighton again. It's you know I find it frustrating with Joe because he actually can have a good game, and then he has these moments where it's just like mistakes that can you know crucify the team mm -hmm. keith eh, sorry cav um your thoughts on that goal do you agree with that and 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 do we see gomez at the moment is just he's got that he's got that error in him well first and foremost it's a brilliant goal from Mitoya. Oh, yeah, sorry i meant to add that it is outstanding yeah, it's a brilliant goal he's he's a he's a fantastic player you know having a really really good moment in his career um it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts but yeah, he's a brilliant player, and that to take the ball down with the touch and then finish it on the on the volley without it hitting the ground—it's so quick, you know. Um, thinking to in real time yeah. to make them decisions and get the goal. So fair play. It's, inte end, it's, it's, it's intelligent. That's what it is. It's actually yeah. someone yeah. who doesn't complicate the game. Is like I've exactly. not got time to get a touch on here. I have to hit it first time. Hey, sorry, on yeah. the turn. Yeah. It's outstanding. Just just before we go on, Cal, I just found it today. Matoma actually became professional at twenty-one. So he done university first, then became professional. And then I think someone added that it also shows how smart Brighton are at when, when to introduce players because he's been there for two years, I think, at Brighton. And, and they're smart of when to introduce. I think he's out on loan. So again, it reminds me of us when we used to get players in. We wouldn't just throw them in straight away. But listen, that's yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Cal, on you go, mate. Yeah. Just before Christy. you go on, you're quite right to call it out as a, as a, as a great goal. It's a great finish. He does what he needs to do in the football. But we're a Liverpool, we're a Liverpool conversation. What we need to be doing is looking at why he gets the time and the opportunity <laughs> to do that with the ball. If Gomez does his job properly, he can stand in the space where that ball travels to instead of jumping in with his back turns a goal. So as good a goal as it is, I, I kind of don't personally I don't want to get caught up in the uh, praising the Brighton lad when defensively it was an absolute shocker for Liverpool. Yeah, and you're dead right, and and like you can you can assess the whole goal and the fact that they managed to 
hit the bat stick and win the first header. And I'm not sure if it, who was who it was from a Brighton point of view, whether it was Dunk or somebody else that won that initial header. But I remember there being a Brighton player behind him, so it was like even if he didn't win the header, the the other guy would have. So they won the first, you know, um, they won the first header, and then it goes back across, and then it's another Brighton that picks it up. So it, in from a set play. They've won both opportunities and the goals come. And that's terrible for Liverpool <laughs> because you expect a Liverpool player to get out there and clear it first time around. And if they do happen to get ahead on it, clear it the second time around. So it's pouring the lead up to actually get into um, to get into Matoma. But again, Joe Gomez, and I, I've often thought this when I watch Liverpool of late, is that you get coached as a kid and you come through the academy and you know, or you don't come through the academy, you come through the lower leagues and you get to um you get to this top top tier of football which is at Liverpool and it feels like the coaching like is go it gets better and better and better but you kind of forget the early stuff that you learn and I quite I make this joke to my friends I said Liverpool would benefit from having like a like a national league coach come in and just and just watch the training sessions and go and point out stuff like that like what the hell are you doing there like why aren't you committing to that challenge why aren't you just getting your head on that why are you turning your back on that and it's just like these very basics that we all see. Like you could go down and watch like a Sunday league game in your local park and someone would concede that goal and everyone would go mental at each other. Like, why are you turning your back on the ball? Yet we're seeing it in in an FA Cup tie between Liverpool and another Premier League team. And it's just like, it goes beyond belief for me because I just think these guys forgot some of the very, very basics of like what you do as a player in that position. Like as a centre-back, you do not turn your back on the ball. If you have to rush out, and and you told this as a kid, if you have to rush out and get whacked in the face or in somewhere else that it hurts, you take it because that is what you signed up to when you said you're going to defend this goal as a centre-back. It's just basics. Do you know what I mean? It's just very basics and it's poor for I think... I see what you're saying about that. I know some people look at that like it's like, oh, that's a, a you know, saying national league coach. But there is there is times where it's like, um, or a Sunday league coach. There, there seems to be there is definitely some parts of complacency that gets into the top end of football. I, I think that yeah. even the case of when we get a, a throw-in coach, some people are looking their noses down at that, thinking, why are you doing that? Or set, having a set piece coach and stuff like that. Well, what your coach is doing, people say, but. I, I do I actually do get what you're saying because there's some parts where I just feel like you should never concede certain goals in football because it should be drummed into players that that can't happen. But you still see it. You still see it in the Premier so, League. Someone mate. said the so, other week that I think it might have been you, Steve, that said if we played a championship team at the minute, they'd give us a good game. And you think, why? Because they'll just do the basics that we aren't doing at the minute. Do you know what I mean? Like they'd be up for the fight and they'd do the basics and that would get them so far against us. And I just, sometimes I just watch the game and I'm just like, just do the basics. Just make that five-yard pass. Just go up for the challenge. Just don't turn your back on the ball. And that will get you so far. You think it's so basic and that you need to do this exceptional football to go out and be competitive and win a game. But you, you don't actually. Yeah. You just need to do the simple stuff right and then build from there. And Gomez, I thought, yeah, it's quite basics, a good game. It's the basics, Basics. Yeah. I thought Gomez had a good yeah. game and I, I feel like he's had a couple of good games alongside um, Canate. Um, but it's a moment and it's just another moment. And we've, look, we get knocked out of the competition with it. It's the winning goal. It's the last minute of the game. I suppose if you want a little bit of positivity, because I'm trying to do this positivity spin at the minute, 
at least it weren't at the start of the game because that would have got to Gomez as we've seen and he'd have gone on to have a terrible game. Finding moments of the tie. True. Yeah. So it's the difference between doing it again at Anfield, which is what it looked like, and making the trip back from Brighton pissed off because one of our central defenders has not done what we what we pay him to do. So I get your point and I understand mm. the positivity thing because I'm I'm with you on that. But that's that's the defining moment in the game. Of all of the things that go on in the game, that one that one is is ultimately responsible for the result. So, and as Conroy says, it's if, if he'd done it once, this was the game you'd say it was bad judgment and we move. But he's not learning from doing it last time, and that's mm-hmm. to be a good central central defender to learn where your weaknesses are and the things that you need to improve. That needs to be fed back to you, and you need to do it again. And another thing they do at this level is, you're quite right about lower league coaches will tell you to win the ball and the man, take take the ball and the man, make a real <coughs> The higher up you go, you hear this phrase, can you nick it? Can you nick the ball? Because if you can nick the ball, you can get on the front foot and explode into attacking. So defenders don't like to commit themselves to the ground to win the ball because they want to nick it and they want to get on the front foot. And we're really, we, we at times... Virgil van Dijk has been really, really guilty of that. Yeah, no, honestly, I think that's um, it's, it's a very, very good point. And you're right, Steele, listen, you credit these moments to great finishes and that, but ultimately, nine times out of ten, there's there's a fault from from us, from Liverpool, that's caused it. And when it's as blatant as that, as you mentioned, it's, it's a hard one to take. And I think as well, I'll always look at football. It's annoying football because, you know, someone could have a great game but you lose 2-1 and that before Kanate in the Champions League final, right? People forget about that, that he was nearly man of the match because that's the way football works. But if you think about that and take that into today's game, sometimes it's not irrelevant, but people don't remember those things. They remember who wins the game and the big moment. And the big moment is Matoma's winner and adding to our misery, if you know what I mean. However, a balance of the positives, I agree, Cav, but that, that, that's, as Steve said, the last-minute winner, that's what you remember, that's in the highlight show, that's what we'll remember in a year's time, and because it's second in consecutive uh, instances with Gomez, it's hard to accept. Mm-hmm. So we lose the game, yep, you know, 2-1, just to finish off, Nunes tries to cross the ball in the box, uh, and it hits back off him, and goes up for a goal kick, just to top off his performance. Uh, when he came on. Hey, talk about sense, the base. Talk about the base. Just because sometimes football, sometimes it's a simple game for complicated people, mate. Honestly, you're in a position to either win a corner or cross the ball in the box, and you manage to hit it. So what you'd usually do is put your foot through it there to so get one or the other. And I don't know what he tries to do, but yeah, just summed up his performance when he came on. I'm not having a go at him in other games, but awful today. So we win the game. You know, I think we've, we've spoke well on that. We've covered anything else you want to add on the game, or do you think? I'm, I think we've, we've we've gave that a good debrief. We move to the post-match um, comments. Um, we'll talk about two of them. One of was um, about no transfers. That's it. It's been confirmed. Well, that's what I heard after the game, especially that there'll be no transfers in this window. And the second one, Steve, you brought it to my attention before we came on. Can you just remind me what that comment was? It was um, that Klopp had said, Steve. It said, Brighton are a brilliant, brilliant team. Uh, with regards to our fans, they saw a goal. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm lost on the context of that. We, yep. we played a good we played a good Brighton team. For an hour, we were very much in the tight, and he made the changes. 
Then we lost our shape, lost our intensity, and we lost our threat. And then we started making individual errors, which led to ridiculously poor fouls and a very, very cheap goal to give away. It concerns me. The players are coming out and saying, like Andy Robbo did on his socials, we're sorry, that wasn't good enough again. We, we, we will endeavour to try harder. As far as a fan base, if you keep doing that, it wears a bit thin and people think it's a bit disingenuous and they're pissed off with it. But if your manager's coming out and saying something completely different, there's a disconnect there between how the players feel and how the manager feels. Jürgen Klopp should be fuming because for, for 92 minutes or however long it was before the goal goes in, We've competed against what is a good side that have given us a run around in recent weeks. We look like we're getting them back to Anfield. We don't particularly want another game, but there it is. You'd rather play another game than lose. Then we go to sleep and we lose the game. The, the players come out and apologise. The manager comes out and says it was better. We played a really good Brighton team and our fans got to see a goal. I don't know. I don't, I've said this before. I don't agree with sticking microphones under managers' noses five minutes after the game's finished because they're emotionally charged. He may have been trying to deflect away from the situation, but they're strange comments to me. It's just a strange thing to say. Yeah, no, I hear you, Steve. Uh, Keith, what's your thoughts on those comments? Uh, just addition as well, we'll, we'll talk about the other uh, comment on the transfers after this one, but Keith, what's your thoughts on uh, Klopp's comments towards Brighton and what Steve just I feel, mentioned? <clears throat> I feel like he's trying to take any positive he can get at this moment in time, he's trying to play it game by day, game, day by day, step by step, as as he likes to say, as he likes to say it. Um, you know, it 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 seems to be one of um, almost acceptance the way the way that this this season is going, and maybe he he does feel that you know Liverpool at the moment are not good enough to play those teams that are in and around them that maybe don't give the same oomph when you're playing against a top team like maybe Man City or Spurs or you know, Arsenal or something like that, where you can probably get a performance just out of the occasion, but more a case of teams like Brentford, like uh, like um, like Brighton, like Fulham, who are equally as dangerous um, and 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 are willing to to commit men forward. So, you know, I think he's he's accepting that you know we're just not going to win these type of games this season by the looks of it. That, that that's the energy he gives me. I feel like he's waiting for for the big games. I, I you know I get the sense that he's almost waiting for for the Champions League and. You know, if we were going to lose any game today, you know, be at the FA Cup. But to be quite frank with you, I think, you know, ever since we've come back, you know, we've been 10 games now. This is by far the worst form I've ever seen Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp. You know, usually we might lose a game and then go on a four or five match winning streak and then draw a game afterwards or something like that. But, you know, it's been it's been a very concerning situation. The form's been concerning. The comments have been concerning. Um, and ultimately... You know, there, there doesn't seem to be any end in sight, really. I still feel like we're going to get a similar team selection against Wolves and we're going to try and grit that one out like we did at Molyneux in the FA Cup. Um, and everything just seems to be a bit of a of, of a grind right now. I just, you know, I struggle to see at the moment, you know, what what is what is the answer to, to the future of Liverpool? Because, I, you know, we talked about this last week and, you know, if you feel that your players are getting better but you're not quite there and you need to do this, that and the other... But you're these are like you're picking new players to play in 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 a, in a system that they don't fit in. So what is the future? Because the future right now doesn't look a promising, but it doesn't really look obvious. Okay, everybody comes back: Diaz, Jota, Firmino, you know, Van Dijk. They all come back. Then what? What what is the future? Because it can't the four three three. 
you know, uh, that that we worked so far, the 4-2-3-1 that worked really, really well for us last season, doesn't have the personnel necessarily to play play in those positions. So you have to evolve and you have to change it up. Well, if this is the evolution, then I hope it's not televised, please. Because <laughs> it, really is, it really is, you know, tough, tough, tough to watch. And, you know, you're getting into that sense that, you know, Klopp's making certain comments that, you know, people are not quite agreeing with making decisions on the pitch that people are thinking are a bit, you know, strange. And, you know, we've all been there before when managers come to the end of their of their tenures and they start doing things that don't make sense. And, you know, I think, and maybe going on to the second point, him saying that there's no signings in, in January will probably give him the breathing space, to be honest, because if he did get the signings he wanted in January, then the pressure would be on him straight away. So, it might work better in his favour and it'll probably last until the summer at least um, if, if you know, they didn't get any signings. So at least he can get get the opportunity in the summer to rebuild. But at the moment, you know, there is no... I don't see any answers to these questions that we've been asking all season from the manager. And, um, you know, his comments make sense for morale, but they don't ask answer the pivotal question of what is Liverpool now and what's the difference between Liverpool now, then and Liverpool now? And, and wh- where does he see this club going? Because the signings we've made don't fit the bill at the moment to what he what, what we've been used to. And the decisions on the pitch are even more baffling at the moment. So, you know, Brighton are a good team. But again, I'll go back to the point, the, the 11, the 13, the 15, we talk about signings, we talk about this, that and the other. These guys should be good enough to get a result at Brighton. There is no excuses. They should be a level. They were a level above them only six months ago. So to go from that to this just really is 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 inexcusable, to be honest. Um, Ahmed Sam put the actual quote in, in the chat and it goes like this. I'm very sorry. Probably a lot of Liverpool fans are from Brighton. So they saw us now twice in two weeks. They were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant again today. We paid a little bit back. Klopp went on to say they saw a goal. They saw chances. So it was better. I, I don't understand that. I, I take your point, Keith. He's clinging on to positives. That's a really good way of putting that across. But he's saying that on national TV to Liverpool fans who are really frustrated with where we are right now. It's um, maybe a case of, you know, not, not not reading the room in that moment. But yeah, no, I agree. Listen, I think it's it's just one of them you're looking at and you, you actually can, you get what he's saying, but it's just, it's, I think, read the room at this moment and it's not, the, the timing of it, it just it doesn't help anyone. It's like we've spoke about that before. There's there's sometimes a point in saying things at this moment. Some of the chat are saying maybe it's you no know, to emphasize the point, put pressure on on the owners, you know, more to get signings in. But we'll, we'll find out. But on, on the the other comments, just to segue into that, as you mentioned, Keith, about the transfers, Cav, what's um what's your thoughts on on that? I could just to remind you, basically there'll be no transfers in January. And I saw a tweet earlier, someone said Liverpool um, are the only big club who continuously use the January transfer window as a hindrance instead of actually using it to the way other big top six teams do to improve their chances of finishing strongly. I thought that was quite a good tweet, to be honest. But what, yeah. what, what's your thoughts on that? Listen, we've, we've all discussed, everyone else here have discussed top, um, sorry, getting midfielders in, we know that, but today that is the, the final nail in the coffin, if you will. To confirm that nothing's going to happen, and uh, yeah, it's quite frustrating. What's, what's your thoughts, Gav? Um, 
well, we we spoke a few times about who would like to see come in in the transfer window, and I think Grizz asked a few weeks back. He put a question to us all who who we think will sign, and and I said, look, I, I think we're after Casado, and I said if I, I think if we if we don't get him, we won't get anyone, and it looks like how that's uh, going to pan out to be. This was after Gakpo had signed when he asked, but it seems like Klopp, when he speaks about the transfer window, he almost doesn't want to sign people because he. This is how it seems to me. He doesn't want to sign people because it's like a reflection that they didn't do their job right in the summer or they've not built the squad well. And he wants to protect these players and he wants to tell everybody how good they are. And he feel, it always seems like if he goes out and signs somebody, it contradicts all of that because he's almost identifying that there's a weakness in this team by signing somebody else to go in. And it's a real strange way of looking at things. And I'm sure it's not how he looks at things, but the hindrance part, in, like you alluded to that tweet, it is right. Why are we looking at a transfer window like it's a hindrance? Like we're no, no, we don't need anybody because we're perfect, we're good. We'll yeah, we're going through a tough time. We'll get over it. It's like you know, just look at it and as an opportunity to maybe just fix a couple of things. You know, maybe create space in the squad for maybe a summer transfer. Um, if somebody's not happy or disrupting the camp in whatever way, use it to move them on. And at the same time, use it to bring people in that can, through quality, help the team and help us get points and go through in these competitions or um, at least be a fresh face, a fresh voice or, you know, someone's mate. I don't know. Go sign an Egyptian to that Salah can start hanging around with or something. I don't know. But it's an opportunity to do it. We do this and we've done this this season where we, we play up to January and we're like, it's not going so well. And we're all waiting to get to January because we're like, we could sign somebody that could just help us, you know, like get a Diaz in or whatever, a catalyst to help us. And we just don't seem to want to do it. And we seem like the only club in this league that doesn't want to sign people in this window. Now, obviously, we've signed Gakpo, but it just becomes frustrating because you're sitting there and you're thinking, we signed Gakpo, and I personally have my reservations with him because I, I just still don't see where he fits <coughs> in. And the first game he played, Conroy, we did the post-match, and I said, my concern with Gakpo is that we will sit here in 10 games' time and say, I don't see what impact he's had on this team. I kind of forgot he's playing. And that's the way it's kind of going for me. Like, and we said, look, we're not going to be reactionary. It's only his first game. We yeah. don't expect him to settle straight away. And we don't expect him to set the world alight. But I said, I'm concerned that we'll go in 10 games and still have that same opinion of him. And at the minute, that's where I sit. I don't see where he fits into this team. I yeah. don't see the impact he's made. And then I at would, the same time... I would think, uh, to be fair, if, if you'd said to him, you know, playing him in his right position might be a start as well. Yeah. Though. I mean, yeah, yeah. definitely. I agree with you, but I feel like if you'd said when we signed, play him on left wing for the majority of that, but even he's not he's not even getting that opportunity now, which mm. is frustrating as well. I've got to be yeah. honest. But sorry, yeah. Kath, on you go. And then you're told that there's not that if there was an opportunity out there for us to sign a play, we would do it. Like we're always looking at the market, we're always evaluating, we're doing it daily. And then you see Trossard go and move. You see Dan Juma move. Dan and Juma, you're a bit like, well, there are things happening in the world there are transfers being made and where are we you know we've actually gone out and signed a guy that a lot of people think doesn't fit us Steve alluded to the point earlier that he doesn't particularly press a lot he doesn't want to run in behind you know so how does he fit as a Liverpool forward it might come good but it doesn't make sense and we signed him for 37 million yet there's transfers that almost make more sense if they came to Liverpool for less money and you're a bit like what's going on here like, if we'd have signed Trossard for 27 million, 10 million pounds less, and played him off the left, I'd be like, cool, we signed 
we've, we've, we've got a replacement yeah, there's a left winger experience. To be fair, that's a bit hindsighty because we were we had Gakpo in our line of fire before Trossard threw his toys out the pram and was taken out with the first team at Brighton and then forced to move. So well, Dan Juma then. If he's not, Klopp, he's not he's not better than what we've got. So but Klopp comes out and says we don't want to sign these replacements because when the boys come back, that you know we'll have too many options and this and that. Well, that. Don't you go get a loan then, a temporary fix? And if Dan Juma's just well, gone out alone, well, yeah, that would be a solution. We've also got quotas to look at as well. We're, we're, we're not great on the quota at the moment. We need to be careful what we do. You know, there's the, the Arthur Mello thing makes no sense. So, have someone on your uh, not homegrown, homegrown quota paying 125 grand a week for a guy who just doesn't play, that makes no sense to me. That there was an opportunity to ship somebody out, maybe replace them. So I get it. I just I just don't think I don't Jan, Dan Juma would have been enough for our fans. I think there would have been an equally massive size meltdown had we gone and pinched him off Spurs and Everton. To be fair, I just think sorry, Conroy. Yeah, I just think at the start of this window when we went out and we we got Gakpo, it's like okay because we were told that there's not much going on in the market, not many people are moving, and you're like fine. At least we got somebody in. He might come good. And now we're sitting here seeing everybody else move and sitting here with Gakpo that's like, I don't see how he works. And I, I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but it makes me think that, look, if you'd have, you know, if you'd have just... Because these players talk, their agents talk, they're getting the feelers out there. Would it not have made more sense to get Dan Jumerian on loan, right? Non-commitment there, no option to buy or obligation to buy, comes in, Impacts the team in probably the same way Gapo does, but it's a short, it's a short-term solution until Diaz and Jota does come back, and then guess what? We've saved some funds to then go and invest in the summer, which we're not even sure we've got funds. So that's what I'm saying. It's just the thinking doesn't doesn't quite make sense, and that's why yeah, these windows yeah. are becoming frustrating. Yeah, no, no, I get that. I think we'll see. Gakpo could come good, though. I definitely what you're saying, and I, I do get that. I think overall there's a feeling, and not just with Gakpo. There's deals to be done at times, and I, I'm considering the quota and all that, Steve. There's just deals to be done, and we are scouting, and our network just do not. Everyone at the behind the scenes does not seem to be on it like the ones previously were. And Winston McKenney's another example. So just to bring this back to midfield, right? So no transfers, and we all agree signing Gakpo for that position, but would say midfield was a priority, especially. And it looks like you know we're not going to sign a, a midfielder. You've got Winston McKenney. Looks like he's going to Leeds to partner Tyler Adams. I think that's a very, very good recruitment. Um, there's a few other examples for central midfielders that could do a job. Listen, you obviously got to consider the quota. I get all that, but there, there is you could have moved enough things around to get that done. I think we'd all agree with that. They just don't want to, and maybe if he plays ten games, they've got signing for thirty-three million. I just don't see Liverpool ever getting involved in that from the beginning. Well, I don't necessarily is that one, but I think there's there's deals to be done with, with other players there, Steve, who, who could come in and give us more strength and depth in that position. But what I wanted to ask you guys on that is, looks like that's going to be the case now. Do you feel that one is is it negligence? I think we we'll probably all agree it is, but negligence or do you think it's a just an absolute sign that? New ownership, as you mentioned, coming Steve, and this is this is what's going to happen. Not to spend any more money until it's done, or do you think it is just complete negligence and just think, oh, we'll be fine with the squad they have, or do you think, obviously, the, the, the sale of the club is playing a, a pivotal factor in that? 
So I'll ask, I'm going to ask Keith because you know, spoken about Keith. What's, yeah. Oh, yeah. this is to everyone, but we'll start with Keith. Yeah. You're on, look, look, I, I, sorry, sorry, mate. <laughs> I, I've said this, I've said this, it's my new way of thinking post, post Thailand. Oh, how I missed that holiday. It's so good. <laughs> no, sorry, no. Um, it, 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 you know, for me, it's, it's a case of it, it comes across as the club, you know, by and large are, you know, looking to, to kind of, either sell out or, or, or have a, a less involvement in, in the team. I think it all stems down to the fact that we've lo- losing a sporting director. We're not, re- you know, there's been no confirmation that we're going to replace him. There's no real gusto, you know, Klopp's comments that he's come out and he said, he has alluded to the fact that, you know, we were, you know, we obviously are open to signing players. Klopp has obviously, you know, at times shown that actually, you know, if there's money to spend, we'll spend it. We just don't have the money, whatever, whatever. So, you know, the, all of these signs suggest to me that FSG have, have obviously checked out, um, that there is no real strategic plan, that we're kind of like working off the back of, you know, we don't really know who's in charge. And obviously, clearly, we're working off a strategy that's no longer going to be in place at Liverpool next season. So the fact that we're not signing midfielders and we're keeping our transfer outlays low, just despite the fact that we have, by and large, become one of the most richest clubs in football suggests to me that, you know, they're, they're teeing this up for a new owner to be able to come in and to be able to splash the cash pretty frivolously um, against the backdrop of FFP, right? So, you know, they can actually go in and, and, and make some investments. So as Liverpool fans, I suppose, and, and was, I see a lot of um, discussions and, and, and debates over... There you go. Thank you, Scott. Debate's <laughs> over... I'll give him a chance to come back. But yeah, Cav, I'll let you, sorry, Steve, I'll let you uh, take that as well. Just I'll let Keith finish when he comes back. But on the question of, I'll remove him now, give him a chance to come back in. On the question, Steve, is it just purely negligence or, you know, in relation to the sale of the club specifically with this decision? I think it's protecting the investment, but ultimately it could lead to being a negligent decision should nobody stump up the cash to buy the football club. I just get the feeling that we've said this before, they won't tell us anything until the deal's done. They have no right to tell us anything until the deal's done. But it sort of seems to me that they're keeping their cards close to their chest and they're protecting their investment to maximise whatever they get for the football club. So um, I think, I think as Keith said, great words. I think they've checked out. I think that's a really good, really good analogy, a good way of summarising that. And I think we just have to wait and see what happens with the football club. Yeah, and I think, you know, Keith spoke really well. And a few of the comments have said he's gone back on holiday or FSG have just cut his internet. I like that one. (laughs) (laughs) That is superb as always, you know, very quick, very, very quick. Um, Cav, lastly, your thoughts on that situation as well. Um, Anything additionally add or just overall summary of it? Well, I think I I do agree with the point that um, FSG are probably looking to move the club on and they probably want to do the minimum in the transfer market and and risky expenditure at this point in time um, until they move it on. Um, Because as we know, acquiring players for tens of millions of pounds is still a risk and it's money you you probably won't see again at this point, um, especially if the player doesn't fulfil that value. Um, but the frustrating thing is that actually it's not a lot, but there is money there. 
You know, there is money there. If we go back to the summer, we spent a lot of money on Nunes. You know, that was a big outlay. We go back, we go back to the Gapo deal. That was money. Was it well spent? No. And I think that's the thing. I think is the money being well spent? No. So that's the frustrating thing is that I think even if FSG go and even if they're not putting their hands in their pockets and they've lost interest and they've checked out, I still think with what we've evidently got because we've spent it, we could have done better. And th- and I think that's that's where we've the people slightly below FSG have also been at, been to blame slightly as well. So um, if we go back to it. We just we just want to hear something now, don't we? We just want to hear what's going to happen. 100%. I think we've all said that last couple of weeks as well. Just a nice way to summarise this, this show and with those comments as well, kind of summarises our window, kind of seals it off. So I agree. We, we spoke about this all four of us in depth, but yeah, I think all, all your comments is always very good. But that, that absolutely, I agree with all of them. I think that defines it very very well uh, and just to say can everyone please if you're in smash the likes you know it help, helps with the show helps with the channel the chat are always always superb don't get me wrong quickest chat on youtube very very quick especially when your internet went off there keith yeah um, said fsg had cut the internet or you're way back to way back on holiday now he's had enough <laughs> and, um, that's what Liverpool has done to him that is exactly it yes sorry about that i was in mid-flow and then it and then it cut out i think the my, my overarching point was, I suppose, you know, there's been so much debate for so many years about ownership and who likes what owners and, and what everybody's thoughts on what they've done. But I suppose at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, be careful what you wish for, because, you know, this 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 is the reality of a large institution going through ownership changes. Ownership changes equals turmoil, uncertainty. And at the end of the day, these people are human beings. We're talking about transfers and who should come in and who should go out. You've also got to reckon that, reckon that a lot of these players that have signed contracts at Liverpool Football Club are going to consider whether their future may be at Liverpool Football Club, depending on the new structure that comes in place, the new ownership that comes in place. They might not necessarily want these players. They might want to do a clear out. So, you know, I, I would be interested to see. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not been the greatest season by a long stretch of the imagination, but I'd be curious to see since the time that Liverpool have announced that they were up for sale, how that has also had an impact on 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 results as well and 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 on the the general you know feeling amongst the ground because you know we, we are going through a transition and you know for those that have called for FSG out since the dawn of time, you know, for you're kind of getting what you want in, in, in this aspect. But you know these business deals don't happen overnight they're going to be something that's going to have an impact on our season and it is having an impact on our season and it is and it is the case you know you kind of people certain people got what they wanted but now you have to go through the consequences of ownership change and until we have clarity over over that i don't see any particular rebuilds i agree with cav that money's not been spent um, necessarily in the best way but it feels like we're just kind of like making small like small ne- ne- necessity decisions as opposed to a real deeper uh, a rebuild so you know this is this is this is what we're gonna have to put up with for a while and um you know i just hope that the players at least can give us some some big moments in key games but in terms of premier league and what we can expect of there you know i don't i don't i don't see too much i think the only thing that liverpool i think the one thing that they as i said they can still hang their hat on is the champions league I think there is a real argument to be made that it is probably more important to get as far far away and 
Champions League as possible due to the coefficient systems kicking in in, I believe, um, 2024, which effectively means that Liverpool could finish like 10th and 11th and still qualify for the Champions League. So who knows <laughs> that maybe that could be the hat that everyone plays in and, 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 and Klopp and the team try and push for another final. But on current form and the feeling around the ground, you know, we are a shadow of our former selves and that comes ultimately from the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Keith, I think, you know, all three, as I said before he came back, um, finished your point there, all three you, you summarised the whole events and situation very well. But as you mentioned, you know, uh, during the show and just there about this team turning up for big moments, well, Dinesh actually put a super chat in earlier. It's like you knew I was going to bring this up, Keith. He says, hello, gentlemen, this season has been uh, bad. Um, it's been very bad. Do you think everyone expects Liverpool to lose to Real Madrid? Um but Dinesh thinks this team could go on and win the tie. Keith, as you've brought this up a few times, I'll let you you know, answer this one. What do yeah, you think about that then? Realistically, have we got a chance or is, is it too much quality, even in an out-of-form Madrid team, because the way they control the ball and the second legs at the Bernabeu? What's your thoughts? So, other than the Napoli thrashing, I felt you know our Champions League run a campaign has been... You know, it pales in comparison to our Premier League run. You know, you look at Mo Salah's stats in the Champions League. I think only Messi, he's in the Messi and Mbappe categories for goals and assists. You know, at times it's been, it felt like a welcome distraction. We are a different team in in, in the Champions League and have been. You know, I remember when we won the Champions League in 2005, we get our ass kicked every week in the Premier League. I think in the end we finished like fifth, like a lowly fifth as well. You know, Everton finished above us that season. You know, we 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 were all over the all over the shop. So, you know, these players it, it is probably out of all the competitions that we competed with Klopp over the, over the last few years, European competition has been our best route to market for some sort of of, of success. Right, we've been to three finals now. You know, we've been to the semi, uh, we've been to a final in Europa League. You know, I don't, I think other than getting knocked out of the quarterfinals by Real Madrid every year that uh, Jurgen's been in the competition, regardless of league form. We've still been in, in and around, in and around the mix. So, I expect a different Liverpool to show up. I expect the players to play for that particular occasion. Um, but in terms of league form, I think we're going to be doing quite a few more of these these shows um, where we lose because I don't see us. I, I don't see us finishing in the top six or seven as it stands. Yeah, I do agree with that. I've got to be honest, not to go in this too much because we'll do plenty of preview stuff on football carnage here, but. Um, I just think the one team we talk about European heritage, the one team who's 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 done that and who's beat us in that time that Klopp's been there has been Real Madrid. Like Real Madrid are the one team that that their run last year especially was unbelievable. And I just think that midfield is they can control a game. I it's the second leg being at the Bernabeu is a really big thing from my point of view. Um I think you could win two 0 at Anfield and Madrid would still be confident that they could overturn that. Um We'll see. We'll go into that more. But you know what? It'd be amazing. I'd love it if we did. I think that'd be a better achievement than the season um, at Istanbul if we did, to be honest, because you had you had leaders in that team as well who could step up. I'm not saying we don't, but at the moment, it's, it's not very apparent. Uh, just the last couple of Super Chats, guys, because I really appreciate your time and we'll be finishing up now in the chat as well. If you could please smash the like. <coughs> uh, Rabadam <clears throat> says, thanks very much for Super Chat. 
Um, if we're not going to sign any players this window, could we at least raid Brighton and Benfica's scouting departments for employees? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I think of that myself as well. I think Brighton are, are close yeah, to... Chelsea took the, took the head scout from Brighton. Chelsea have already done it. Yeah, no, Newcastle but I mean, no, Newcastle Dan Ashworth, yeah. director. Yes, but but what, what I was asking, yeah, I knew you were going to tell us because I've done my research, right? Brighton still <laughs> recently. Who's the director of football now? David Weir, Scottish international, he used to be centre back. Is so it just shows you it's not just I I think Dan Ashworth's very good at Newcastle now, but it shows you it's not just one person, their full scouting network's very, very good. Um, and I think they've just signed someone for six million. Is it uh, Yari? I think six million have signed him as mm. well. Right. And so it's obviously their full scouting network as well. Um, I think uh, Paul Barber and Tony Bloom, CEO and the chairman uh, in the scouting network. I actually can't remember their names, but I looked at it last night. Obviously, they ran a particular way. And Benfica as well. That's a very good point. Benfica, they must. How much money has Benfica made in the last like five years? Talk about Joe Felix, Nunes. They've got Garcia, he just scores a hat trick. Yeah, so it's got Ramos, sorry, scores a hat trick. Um, mm-hmm. And the knockout stage for Portugal, pff, unbelievable. But yeah, you know, I, I think with this one, I'd love if we could, um, but maybe we can just start thinking like that again would be really nice. You know, try to think instead of going to the, the popular signing, maybe let's look for our own little gems, but it's not easy. I, I appreciate that. Um, last super chat of the evening, guys. Jurgen Klopp saying he didn't like the body language of individuals today is a bad sign. Sadly, I think it's the beginning of the end of the era. Fresh ideas need to, and that's from Ash for the five pound donation. Thanks very much, Ash. So, last question tonight, guys. I'll just give it to the full panel. Um, what's your thoughts on that one? Um, you think it is the end, of the, uh, the beginning of the end, or yeah, it's probably think- right. It's probably right. We do need to freshen it up. Same thing. I think we've all said it, haven't we, over the previous weeks and months that. It needs revitalising. It needs new bodies, new faces, new energy, new new impetus, new ideas. Um, Ash is on the same page as us, I think. Mm-hmm. What I would say as well is um, the, the super chat is dead right. He he did point out the body language of some individuals, and you know that as a for coming from a manager is not really a big thing, but coming from Klopp, I think it is because he always protects his players and he's not hung anybody out to dry. There, he's not mentioned names. But that's probably as that's probably as far as Klopp would go in terms of putting putting the direction back onto the players. And to be fair, I think he's well within his right to to do so because some of the players have got to be accountable for for this mess that we're in as well. When we talk about players turning their backs and not making five yard passes, you know, and and can't can't make challenges. Klopp said the other week, I can't make challenges for them. They've got to do it. It's just he's right in what he's saying. The players have got to be accountable for their performances. And I feel like he's said one or two things recently whereby he's going, look, I know I'm not doing my job right. I know we need to improve and and find the solutions in-house and this and that. But he's also done a a couple of made a couple of comments where he's sort of said, look, look at these players as well. These guys are also going for four competitions last year and um, and like I said, I think that's as far as he will go with regards to turning the, um, the spotlight onto the players. So that's interesting because a lot of people would take positives from that as well, that he's actually open to fresh, you know, the idea of freshening up the squad and this this loyalty um, stick that he's been beat with for a while might not be so strong anymore. And it's it certainly makes me think that 
come the summer, which is probably going to be the next opportunity now, that he is probably going to be a bit more cutthroat with these guys and, and look to... A bit more ruthless. Really... A bit more ruthless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I agree with that, absolutely. And I think it is, it's got a telling comment. Keith, lastly, before we finish up, anything to add on that, mate? I think it's an interesting point about fresh ideas um, as well. Um, you look at many dynasties over the years or, or managers that have stood the test of time. You know, they've changed what's around them as well as what's in front of them. You know, and, and you know, for, for all the great work that the team around him has done, you know, maybe it is a new evolution. Are football teams now playing better against uh, high-pressing teams? Are they passing it around it better? Is there a new way of, of, of a new wave of ideas with the players that we got that he met probably needs needs a bit more help? That 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 could also do be a way. Heck, owners could come in and say we want a new manager and 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 <laughs> a new structure anyway. You don't you, you really don't know. I think you know when we when we started the when we started the season, you know, I was quite optimistic that we would actually really kind of go for the helm. But on hindsight, looking back like as a when we come back, I thought we'd really be hungry to to go again yeah. after the disappointment of what we went through. And, you know, that that's not necessarily been the case. We've obviously been unlucky, but you do make your own luck in this situation. So, you know, I think we do need but we need fresh ideas throughout the whole club because ultimately, when you look at it, there's going to be significant changes happening anyway um, over the next 12 months. And, uh, you know, the Liverpool that we see today and the, and the structure and everything that we know it, you know, maybe a very different site come the summer. So, you know, we just have to we just have to go through the storm at the moment and uh, hope for the best. But you know, I still I still believe that Jurgen Klopp can, you know, you know, grow grow another team and 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 bring in some fresh new ideas. But it needs to ha- be in conjunction with the direction that the club wants to go in, in relation to who they buy and what strategy we have moving forward. There, it, it, it seems more and more disjointed. Um, uh, as the days go by. So, you know, how can we have fresh when we don't have a plan? Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think you're spot on. I think we mentioned that a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, when the stuff gets made, the sale gets made, that that's in place, we'll get a, a, a vision, a mission statement, if you will, of where we're going, a statement of intent, if that's the right way, and everyone's on the same boat. So hopefully that can be sooner rather than later. But listen, guys, thanks very much for your time. It was a, a proper therapy session as usual. Seems to be every week than now. But always appreciate the, the chat and the knowledge um, from all of you. And it's a, a really, really good good show. Anything else you just want to add before we finish up? Just please smash the like if you're listening and, and or re-watching it. Just hit the like, please. It's, it's good for the show. Um, even, you know, if you're loving the Liverpool tears, just smash the like. Anything else you just want to add before we finish up, guys? No, no good. Nah. Nah, well done on hosting, Conroy. Yeah, well to done, you, mate. Conroy. Oh, thank you. No, I did. I did have a. I did start one comment regarding Cav, but it's it's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to use the Love Island joke this week. That's that's not that's not. Fair. Nah, come on, let's not that. No, just one thing. Um, just shout out, yeah. just shout out the chat as well, and, and and the people that lock in and load. You know, you know, we we always give try and give as balanced or as passionate as opinion as possible. Um, so you know, massive respect to the chat for for fueling that fire as well, and. Um, we just got to stick together. That's the most important thing. Exactly. That's it. Listen, humour gets you through it. And the chat are very, very funny. So they're always great. So listen, guys, top show. Thanks to the chat. Thanks to the panel. I'm sure there'll be shows this week. Uh, and I think there's a draft coming soon as well. Evan's working on that. So yeah, cheers, folks. Cheers to the chat, everyone. And have a good night. See you all later.
Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.